When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, today Rado Talks are episode 28, and this is a special episode because after last month's Jen Conapalooza blowout spectacular, <laughs> I'm a little behind the eight ball in terms of questions. We've got two months worth of questions here, and so I've got Jen already mic'd up, ready yeah. to go. Hi, honey pie. Well, apparently I'm feeling a little giggly this morning. Apparently. Uh, and sorry, folks who don't like this, but this is going to be all questions and answers. I won't be doing any top ten revisits or new games of interest or any of that business. It's just straight to the questions, shortly followed thereafter by the answers. Oh. And as always, we will start out with game-related stuff, and then about halfway through, we'll switch over to non-game-related stuff for people who would like to get off that train before they're exposed to the inner workings of Jen's in my life and thought processes. <laughs> and uh, as always, if you have any questions for the podcast, you can feel free to send them to questions at rotto.com. And so, hold on to your butts, boat. Bah, I was trying to do a Jurassic Park thing there, and I totally ruined it. Butts boke. Uh, it was just supposed to be... Oh, anyway, <laughs> we'll be right back. Okie dokie. Questions and answers for gaming. Starting with something from Alex, who has, not surprisingly, a whole bunch of questions. His first one is... How do I primarily get rid of the games that don't make the cut for the collection? Trading, selling, presence, selling, what's the main outlet shop if trading? Um, do you take start? Do you start it or do you wait for somebody's offer, etc.? Well, yeah, there are actually more games to get rid of than keep in a given year. And there's a few different things I can do. One, if you happen to live in Malta... Man, you can get these games for a song. There are some board gamers here, contrary to popular belief, and they generally get first dibs. Anytime anybody wants, they can go to For Sale. That's the number four, S-A-L-E, forsale.rado.com. And anything we've decided to get rid of is right there. And if you're interested in it, just contact me. Um, and like I said, if there's somebody in Malta interested in it, they're going to get it uh, for, for a, a very reduced price just to get rid of it. Although generally they have to get over here to Gozo to pick it up. So even for folks in Malta, that's a bit of a problem. And uh, after that, uh, you know, there are a few folks who frequent that and who are willing to pay the shipping. Like, actually, shipping to Greece isn't too terribly bad from Malta. Shipping to most places in Europe is pretty expensive, but there's a few countries where it's not so bad. I think Spain isn't so bad either. So occasionally people contact me because they know about the forsale.rado.com, and I say, okay, here you go. I'll box these up. It'll probably be an additional 15 euros in shipping if, you know, you're willing to pay that. And so a good deal just go that way. There's actually a couple of game groups in Malta as well, and occasionally I just donate games to them because they could always use more games. Those are for the ones that you know are a little bit less exciting, a little bit less hot, or the prototypes. Oh my, 
So many prototypes. Of course, you can't sell those. They have no retail value. So if anybody ever visits us, they walk out of here with a prototype of something or other. Um, one of my friends in Malta is actually a college administrator and runs the uh, video game design Section. Program, whatever you call it. What, hey, Pi? Oh, I was going to say section. Section of uh, University of Malta. And so he's always happy to take a lot of those prototypes and give them to the students and put them through design exercises, saying, hey, forget what the game originally was. Here's a bunch of pieces. Make a new game. So uh, a lot of the prototypes go to a good cause that way. Um, otherwise, whenever we travel someplace, we try to... Uh, you know, sell them there. <laughs> Often, Jen, when she travels to the States or the UK, I will run an auction and I'll announce it on my guild, guild.rado.com, before she goes. But this year, she's traveled twice and she didn't do it either time because she was just too overloaded with other stuff. The other main avenue is Essence Spiel. Every year at Essence Spiel, a month before the show, so I actually got to get ready to do this, I run an auction on Board Game Geek for games that I haven't gotten rid of any of those other capacities, and people can bid on them, and the high bidder, I end up taking them to Eschenspiel and handing them to you in person, uh, usually at those math trade meetups every day at noon. So, uh, it's some combination of that stuff, and a bunch of games are clogging up our closets as well. <laughs> so there's also that. <clears throat> Have you ever put a board game in a garbage bin? Oh, no, no, that's terrible. That's such a waste. There's always something better to do. No, there's always somebody who would like it. Yeah, no, that's, he's referring to a... Yeah, I know. You know about that? Yeah, remember? It broke my heart. Really? Okay, yeah. wow. I've, I, well, don't, I don't remember that you knew. I guess it wouldn't literally break, but it made me feel really bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, how did you transport the games from England to Malta? Uh, in they a big have... shipping container. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the company it that the hired container. me. It was just a lorry. They, yeah. Remember, they, well, you weren't there. They backed up to the house and they took our stuff. You know, the same way you do. Well, the stuff we brought. Household. We didn't bring any furniture. We brought very little furniture. Very little, yeah. Um, but a household move. They just, I had stuff boxed up and ready to go and they came and took it away. Yeah. And then it took, what, four weeks or something? Oh. I don't remember. Anyway, to get here. Yeah, and the company we that I got, took a job for uh, in the video game industry, if you're at a high level, upper echelon like I am, they'll generally pay your shipping costs. So they paid to move as much as we wanted, yeah. um, and really Moving probably eighty percent of what we moved here was the games. Well, there was, well no, I mean you would know better because you had to box it all up. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course, and yeah, and Jen. So my job and Jen's job are what got moved <laughs> over here. Yeah. Jen's glass equipment and all her glass rods, yep. which, of course, weigh an, a metric ton. No, no, no. There, it's not that much. In fact, I left my studio in England set oh, up because course. I didn't bring all of my of glass stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Um, which is why I go back to England a couple times a year to make stuff because yeah, so it's all there still. Nothing special. I mean, you, you just put them in the boxes that the moving company provided, I assume? Mm hmm yeah. Yeah, but which we are still storing because they're oh, really good double-walled um, boxes. Yeah, they're really good, high-quality boxes. Yes, yeah, so we Someday we'll leave, and we need them to put all... Because that's yeah. the one nice thing about board games. They're very easy to pack. They're nice and square. They just go right in the boxes. <laughs> yep. You close the boxes, you're done. Yeah. But they are happy boxes. when you get 30 or something of them in about a box, but that's yep. right. Let's see here. The Aircon 2018 will have an extra day, and it'll be warm and sunny spring. 
What is it? Aircon? Lee Aircon, the oh, Lee Aircon. one that I went to yeah. in Portugal. Any desire or plans to revisit the con and bring Jen to Portugal this time? Sorry, I don't think so. Uh, I've done it, been there, done that. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's worth noting. I mean, the conventions we've covered recently are because the convention was willing to help get us there. They were very generous. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, they paid for the airfare, and yeah. they found a place for me to stay. And in exchange, I showed, and I've, therefore I brought my celebrity presence, whatever mm-hmm. that's worth. <laughs> but I think I probably find a little bit more use by actually filming a run-through of the convention so folks could know what it's all about and decide if they want to go next year. So I'm willing to do that for anybody. Because the thing is, it's funny, when I was uh, a video game developer... I flew all over the world. I flew a lot, tons and tons of flights. Yeah. And I have to admit, I always really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the travel, and I put up, I mean, I'm, I'm six foot three, so traveling economy is a pain. But I put up with it because I wasn't having to pay. Um, when, my, when my company was paying to fly me all over the place, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll suffer the discomfort. But now that nobody's paying, I don't want to travel anywhere. I am not willing to suffer that discomfort if I'm the one having to pay for it. So, uh, you know, I mean, while board game conventions are nice, I'm really not willing to pay a few hundred euros to have to, or a few thousand, depending on where it is, to fly there uh, and be really uncomfortable for a long time getting there. So, uh, you know, if the Aircon wanted me to come back, I'd be happy to go. But, I mean, I, 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 it was a good time last year. I had a good time. Don't need to go again. So, probably not. And that's it for Alex. Moving on to uh, David. David. Last month, he asked about the Kenner Spiel, and I was an idiot and just talked about the Spiel. Um, <laughs> the Spiel just yards winners, not the Kenner Spiel. He's happy to hear it, but could you please talk about the Kenner Spiel now? And, of course, now, this is two months ago, because we're way, way late, and I don't even remember. Let's see, what was it? Kenner Spiel. Hard to spell. I'm having a hard time this morning. Normally, we do this in the afternoon, but Jen wanted to do it in the morning, and I'm not really frosty yet. All right, Kenner Spiel 2017 winners. Come on, Wikipedia. Oh, all right, there we go. Congratulations on the winners. Kennerspiel des Jahres, Board Game Geek. Sorry, folks. Uh, 2017. The nominees are Exit the Game and... Oh, no, that's just the winner. Who's... All right. Oh, come on. All right, Terraforming Mars, Raiders of the North Sea, and Exit the Game. And Exit the Game is the winner. I would have preferred... Didn't I actually talk about this? Surely I talked about this. Didn't I? Really? You, you want the, David, you want the counter spiels? I enjoyed hearing your thoughts. However, could you give your thoughts on the nominees and the right game over to the Okay, yeah. Well, I would not have thought Terraforming Mars would have won in a million years. Honestly, I'm not quite sure why it made the final nomination because it's not. I don't think it fits within the wheelhouse of what the Kenner Spiel is supposed to be. People think the Kenner Spiel is supposed to be a nomination for like really big, heavy, complex game, gamers' games, when in fact, uh, Kenner Spiel you have to look at within the context of the regular Spiel. Regular Spiel are light family gateway games. Kenner Spiel, as a general rule, are gateway pluses, are the things that a uh, light, casual, gateway friendly family might play if they're ready to take the next step. So generally speaking, they're not supposed to be big, heavy, long, and that's the big thing about Terraforming Mars that I would have thought would have, you know, 
kept her from being nominated in the first place is it's so crazy long. It's not family friendly as a result of that. And, uh, you know, and, and the drafting, and oh my gosh. So I never would have thought that would have made it. It's a, it's a great game, but I'm just, I was really surprised it even got nominated. Exit and um, the Viking game, uh, Raiders of the North Sea. Personally, I would have loved Raiders of the North Sea to have won. Um, just because it's a little independent game from uh, 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 a guy who's doing it all by himself in New Zealand. Shem Phillips, and man, it would have been life-changing for him. I, I, I wanted that one to win because I want the little guy to win. I mean, Exit is from Cosmos. Exit already has a lot. I mean, you know, Cosmos is a big deal. It was already a big hit. It didn't need to get pushed into the stratosphere. I w- it would have been amazing. And, and I'm not saying it didn't deserve it. Raiders of the North Sea is a fantastic worker placement game. It's a perfect fit for the Kenner Spiel. Uh, I, I think it's fine that Exit won. I, I think Exit is a, certainly a worthy nominee as well, the little escape room in a box from Cosmos. But I was a bit disappointed. I mean, I knew it was a long shot, but my fingers were really crossed for Raiders of the North Sea. Ah, well. Still, I mean, it's, it's got to be a huge, huge... Well, of course it was a huge boost because, hey, it got nominated, and next thing you know, Renegade has now picked it up, and they're giving it a wider distribution. So congratulations to Shem. But, man, it could have been so much more. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> Garrett it has a question or two. All right, he's enjoying the podcast. Thanks, Garrett. Have we ever fallen prey, and this is you or Jen, so pay attention, honey pie. All right. Uh, have you ever fallen prey to fortunate gamer syndrome? I don't know if that's really a syndrome. I think that mm. might be something Garrett is making up. I don't okay. know if that's... Um, acknowledged by the AMA or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, what does it mean? So many games, constant influx of new games, rarely get to play the old ones. But then you finally go and play an older one that you rank highly and find it's not as good as you thought or remembered, especially compared to what came out most recently. <coughs> uh, do I have any memorable examples of such events? Uh, to answer that end, would you be willing to replay uh, your yearly number ones from 2009 to 2016 and see if they're still high in your estimation. Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know that that happens very much. In all honesty, I tend to find the more we play a game, the more we like it. I mean, I just recently, while you were gone, I did a top 10 most games we played. So I had to figure out just how many oh. hours we spent playing oh. games. Not just how many times we played it, but how many hours we yeah, spent. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was a recurring thing. The more we play a game, the higher it ranks. It just goes up and up and up and up. Mm. Um, games we play less tend to get ranked lower. And the more we play it, the more we find, the more we discover, the more we fall in love with it. Yeah. That it tends to be the case. Um, that said... Okay, so what, uh, Pandemic Legacy is probably our number one hour... No, it was not. Well, Gloomhaven was spoilers for the top ten, but oh. it came out uh, last week. Sorry, folks. But yeah, Gloomhaven. Sorry. We we put more hours into that than it. anything else. I've huh? been gone away. I've been. I, I. This is my. So sorry, spoiled it for you. You weren't going to watch it anyway. Um, uh, we played more. It's Gloomhaven tough. Pandemic and Agricola were very close, <laughs> but I think in spite of Legacy, we've spent more time in Pandemic. I'm surprised. I'm sorry. In, in Agricola, I mean. I am surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, for us, Agricola is a long game, yeah, that's and true. Pandemic is not. 
And that's the thing. I'm not talking about number of times we played. I'm yeah. talking about number of hours we've played. That's true. Okay. So I, I think Are the Rickler came the, out on top. The pre-play where I sit and stare at my cards for and a while. And that includes the <laughs> 20 minutes you have to just sit <laughs> in a quiet, um, you know, sound dampened room with no external distractions so you can plan your entire game. I tell him to go away. You literally tell, she tells me to leave the room so she can just sit down and think with her cards. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that that happens very often. Uh, what would be an example of one that's dropped? I mean, I'm, I'm sure. But, the, you know, the thing is, older games that I ranked a 7, they're probably still a 7. Older games that I ranked an 8 are probably still an 8. Let's go to ranked.rado.com. Let's see here. And see if I, if I can just spot anything that has tumbled because I've gotten a chance to replay it. I, if, if we got to play more Castles of Burgundy, I don't think that would drop. If we got to play more Nations or... I mean, we played a lot of Seven Wonders. Uh, we played a lot of Dominion. Um, I don't know. I mean, Manhattan Project... Well, no, that, you're, you're talking about older ones. Older ones, older ones, older ones. Shipyard. We haven't played Shipyard for years. Yeah. Do you remember Shipyard? It's the one where it has rondels inside of rondels inside of rondels, and we're building a ship, and we put all the pieces together, and then you put the little pieces on the ships, and you have to run them on those. You have to take them on test runs. You oh, don't remember I this don't at all. I don't remember this. I, you'd think I'd remember a rondel. Well, yeah, we, I don't think we played it since we've been in Malta. Oh, Daisy um, has just cuddled up inside Gert's circle. Yeah. It's adorable. I don't know. I remember very clearly how it plays. The thing is, I have a pretty good uh, memory for games. And I remember, I, I remember very clearly the experiences I have with them. And I think in part because I was a video game developer for so long, so I really had to study games. And, of course, I study games a lot because of Rado Runs Through. I bet if I go back and play Shipyard right now, I would wonder, gosh, this is so great, I have to rank it higher, not lower. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that happens. As for uh, going back and revisiting... All my top number, what did what, he say? What was it? It was from 2009 to 2000-something 2000 to 2016. What's my number one 2009 ranked game uh, at ranked.rado.com? Control-F, 2009. Uh, the number one would be Peleponese. We played Peleponese not too long ago. It was the first live run-through we did for Rado Runs Through Live. Mm. That's the one where we're auctioning, and you, you get the landscape, you put it to the right, you get the buildings, you put it to the left. Yep. The, the, do, if we were to play that again today, honey, do you think your estimation of that game would fall? No, I don't. Yeah, um, it's a phenomenal game. It's yep. an absolutely stellar game. And we played it not too long ago, a couple of years ago, or a year ago. Seven Wonders, you remember that. Do you think your estimation of that would fall? No. Uh, moving on to 2011. Dungeon Pets, would your estimation of that <laughs> fall? No way, man. Nope. Number 12, Escape, Curse of the Temple, was our number one ranked game in 2012. Do you think your estimation of that would fall? Um, maybe. Really? Yeah, because I was so hot on that game. I was super hot. She was a bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when it comes to Escape <laughs> Curse of the Temple. Yeah, and we've we've since played it again with more expansion stuff, I think. Yeah, that's the and, only time we play it is when a new expansion comes in. Yeah, and maybe it's just that I don't like the expansion stuff as much as I like the original, but mm -hmm. I, I loved that game for yeah. many, a, many a play. So do you think you'd still love it? Oh, I, I still love it. I just don't know that I am as cuckoo for it as I... Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, she was absolutely insane. It was in your top ten. I, I mean, to be fair, it has pushed its way out of my top ten as other things have pushed their way in. It okay. used to be in top ten for a while. Now it's in my top 20. Okay. Well, you know, we, we exhausted it, though. I think we really, really, um, yeah, 
<laughs> we might have overdone. 2013, Nations. Um, I mean, we've only played this game like five times, so you might not remember it. It's you, you're, you're Persia or you're, um, you know, ancient Greece or ancient Egypt. You have your big board, and there's a bunch of tiles that represent all kinds of civilization breakthroughs and, and leaders and stuff like that. Yep, yep. And it, you have all your workers, and you put more and more workers on a given tile, so you become more and more powerful at that tile. Uh, you, know, you build up more and more military or more and more aqueducts, and at the end of the round, all the tiles produce based on how many little workers you've put on them. And there's the war that if somebody starts a war, the other person has to have, you know, their military level defines how high the war is. But if you don't have military, you can have stability to survive the war. Boy, I was with you. I think I'm thinking of a different game, though, and so that's all I can think of now. Yeah, there's a few. Um, Well, I I know it's not going to fall for me. I don't know. I mean, Jen's never ranked it. So, but I'm confident nations would still stay very, very high. Number uh, 2014, Roll for the Galaxy. Oh, no, um, no. for me it was Shadowrun Crossfire. For Jen, it was Roll for the Galaxy. Would either of those fall if we were to play them right now, Honey Pie? No. No. 2015, uh, number one is, where is it? Is Pandemic Legacy. I don't think that's going to fall. That's not falling. 2016 is, oops, there you go. 2016 is Manhattan Project Energy Empire. Oh, well, that was a very... I remember that game. That's where you have that round board and you're different countries, and so you... No, you're thinking of CO2. Okay. Um, and Hand Project Energy Empire was the one where we're, we're... We are generating power again. It's another power energy generation game, but it was the one where you have your board and there's the sky, the ground, and the water. Oh, and And more and more pollution pollute. appears, yeah. and you have to decide where it goes, and... It's a worker placement game, and you send your workers out, but they're like these little flat chits, and they represent the guys, and you can stack them up to, yep. to do more actions and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, you can either send men or, I can't remember, some other resource. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, that was good. Yep. I enjoyed that. So, uh, hope you enjoyed that quick run-through. You didn't go back far enough. Uh, to, I mean, our number ones of every year, they're still very, very high. I'm very confident of that. Thanks for asking, Garrett. Moving on to Jason. Let's see. Who is a marriage therapist and appreciates hearing a loving, respectful relationship. We seem to have a great thing going. Oh. Thanks, Jason. I, I think I chose well. Uh, <laughs> right. He's a casual solo gamer. He's been playing a lot in Italian, uh, it's a, and it, which is a roll-and-move game. Uh, roll-and-move is a derided mechanism. Well, without going into a full-blown top ten, what are some of your favorite roll-and-move games? And you'd like to hear Jen's opinion, too. When it comes to game design, what separates good roll-and-move from bad? Uh, well, I mean, I haven't played Natalian yet. We do have it. I'm definitely keen on trying it because I like the other Oniverse games. I mean, there aren't. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, roll-and-move is kind of like Hitler's mustache for modern designer board games. You just don't do it. You know, what, you know, forget about the relative merits of it. It's just so permanently stained and ruined for all eternity. No one touches it with a 10-foot pole. Remember, Michael Jordan tried to bring the Hitler mustache back. I don't know if you ever saw that, Honey Pie. I there are pictures I... of him out there. and he, I'm, I'm going to bring it back. I'm the most popular guy in the world. I, if anyone can do it, I can do it. No, you can't do it, Michael. And roll and move <laughs> is kind of the same thing. Um, boy, let's see. What is, what, I, I, I can't think of any. I mean, because it's, you know... There must be. And yeah, there's an Italian, but we haven't played it. Uh, Runebound is a roll-and-move game. That's actually pretty cool. 
But that's because you roll the dice, and the dice don't tell you exactly what to do. The dice give you options about how you move. And that's going to be the answer to your question. The problem with roll and move, there's nothing implicitly, intrinsically wrong with rolling and moving. What's the problem is the lack of agency, the lack of actually having choices to make with those dice. Or if you're going to do a roll and move and um, the dice don't give you any choices, wherever you end up moving to better give you really good choices. So I think you could make a perfectly good roll-and-move game. Um, heck, even a Monopoly one. If it meant every single space on Monopoly that you land on has a really, really tough choice. And you know, okay, well, I'm going to roll the die. Here's all the things I could land on. Um, before I roll, what am I most likely to land on? If I land on this, what am I going to do? As long as it gives you interesting choices to make. Another thing that could help roll-and-move, a D6 is terrible. Because that means, well, there's one of six places I might land. I, so how can I plan? How can I make a decision? Well, there's uh, no planning. It's roll of the dice. Well, yeah, but I mean, if it's a game where, you know, in addition to on your turn, you're going to roll and move and do whatever it says, mm. but before or after that, you can do other things. You can convert resources and other resources, or you can buy things, or you, you know, if it were a game like that and roll and move were at the center of it all, it would work, but it would help a lot if the dice weren't stupid D6s. Uh, if they were. Well, this just came up in a run-through I did. Oh, it came up in the Near and Far run-through when I was talking to um, uh, the guys about it. If, if it was a die that was, it was a six-sided die, but it was uh, one, two, three, 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 four. Yeah. So you know, chances are, you're going to go three spaces forward. And so, okay, I'll make my plans knowing that, but there's a chance I might get over here. I've got to be ready for that. <laughs> then you have choices to make. Even though all you're going to do is roll and move, as long as there's interesting stuff to do when you get there and interesting stuff to do around that, there's nothing, no reason it couldn't be good. True, but you could also just get around with that with anything over a three as a move forward one. Oh, yeah, but nobody wants to have to do I mean, that's just... No, I mean, I'm just saying, the developer dice, so. could make a roll and move game yeah. with more interesting dice. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? What other roll and move games are there? We just mentioned Escape. Curse of the Temple is a roll and move game. You roll dice to move. That's true. It's not real. It's not a traditional, though. No. It's a bit of a stretch. Well, but you have to match your door yeah, exactly. with the dice. and. So it's kind of. Um, but even there, I mean, even though it's a fast 10-minute real-time game, there are decisions because the main decisions you're making throughout that game is do you bank dice? Because, okay, I've got the die I need for when I'm going to get to that room, but if I hold on to that, then I have a harder time getting to that room. At what point do I give up and start rolling and give that up? You know, I mean, so there's... I, uh, roll and move is only bad if it robs the game of choices. So that's really what it boils down to. And I do look forward to trying Natillion. Chad says, are there board games that have made you think they would serve as inspiration for a game if you were still a designer? That uh, could be a video game version of a board game. And yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know for a fact that's the case. I think I've talked about this before. But um, before I left the video game industry, the last big game I worked on was Marvel Secret Wars. And that was a tricky game to make because I'm a big Marvel superhero fanboy. I have been ever since uh, I was a kid. And I didn't want to do the same thing that all other video games do when they bring the Marvel characters where, oh yeah, Captain America can go toe-to-toe with the Hulk. Of course you can, because everything has to be even and balanced. I thought that was lousy. I wanted to be true to the characters. So I had a problem where it was going to be a multiplayer game, and so some players would get completely destroyed by other players. Daredevil doesn't have hardly any chance at all against Doctor Doom. Um, But I didn't want to cheat and make Daredevil super strong and Doctor Doom super weak, or, you know, to make that work. So... 
I borrowed a gameplay mechanism from Small World. The notion that the more somebody passes over a given avatar that they can take into the world, that uh, you know that avatar gets slowly more and more powerful as more and more upgrades get layered on it. So that was the notion. People might pass over Daredevil to get to the high powers, your Iron Mans and your Thors and whatnot. But eventually, every time Daredevil gets passed over, there was a there was a force in the in the fictional world that would make Daredevil more and more strong temporarily. You know, within the confines, they were we called them augments. He would get layered down with more and more augments until it was like Super Daredevil. And somebody, well, I gotta take Daredevil. Look at all this great stuff he's got. And yeah, he can go toe-to-toe with uh, Titania or what have you. Uh, And that was me 100% solving a problem I had in video game design by applying board games. uh, Mechanisms. It it would have worked great if it hadn't gotten cancelled. Oh, so sad. You've made me sad, Chad. (laughs) Let's see here. Are there any board game uh, mechanics or mechanisms that could inspire mechanics or mechanisms for video games? Oh, whoops. oh, I misread your first one. Sorry. Uh, I guess I just answered the first one. Yeah. I, the answer is yes. And the answer is yes the other way. So it could be, uh, this could be... Right. So you're asking, are there any board games you think could uh, serve as inspiration if you were still a designer? So this is the same question. Are there any board game me- uh, mechanisms? Oh, you're talking about games, and now you're talking about mechanisms. I just gave an example of a mechanism that could definitely be applied to a video game. Do video games work a very different beast? However, are there any mecha... I'm, I'm going to stop saying mechanics. You're driving me nuts, Chad. I forget. I, it's fine. You, you say mechanics? It's just, <laughs> ah, it's just one of those few words that gets under my skin. He's got a bugaboo. Yep, yep, yep. I'm trying to let it go. I'm trying to be a better person. All right. Are there any uh, mechanisms... They make you think, I wish I had played X board game years ago because I would have completely changed my approach. Well, again, that um, Secret Wars Small World is definitely the best example I can think of it. The majority of the video games I worked on in my career were action games. There was some resource management, but not too terribly much, in all honesty, in most of the games I've made over the years. But yeah, I imagine there, I mean, if if I worked hard at it, if I were still inclined to spend any brain power at all on designing video games, I would take lessons learned from playing board games. I'm pretty confident that would be the case. Let's see here. And right. So that was it for Chad. Um, Sorry, Chad, if you're looking for more specific examples. But like I said, that would require me sitting down and thinking about it a lot. So I will simply answer your question with yes. And provide no further examples other than the one example that I actually did employ while a professional video game designer. Daniel says, this is my question. Uh, After thanking me because I make his commute so much more pleasant. How much physical shelf space do we have and how many games does it hold on average? Would you ever consider packing the components into smaller boxes and tossing the original boxes? Greetings from Deutschland. Let's see, we have, we store our games on four, they're not, they're, they're, they're a, a Billy bookcases. They're yeah. the Billy bookcase line from Ikea. We have four standard ones, and I think this is holding around 350 or so games. We're cheating because I'm putting a whole bunch of them and stacking them up on the top, so they're kind <laughs> of outside, and there's a few stacked on the side because yep. they don't actually fit on the shelves mm-hmm. themselves. 
but around 350 spread across four Billy bookcases. And that's just the games. Uh, almost every time I get an expansion, I try to find a way to I dump inserts. I do whatever I need to to get those expansions to fit inside the original box. And often... I've done this in a few cases, wherever possible. If the expansion is a smaller box, I dump the original box and try to squeeze everything into the tinier expansion box, wherever possible. Let's see. So that kind of answers the other question about would I ever toss original boxes. I do, wherever I can, um, and put them into the smaller expansion box. And if that's not possible, I take the expansion box and dump them and put them into the original box. I try to put as much in as possible. I have not gotten rid of the box entirely and just put them in some nondescript cardboard box or something like that. Yeah. I would not want to do that because, in all honesty, I like the big, bright, colorful wall of games. Absolutely. Yeah, Why so. would we want a blob wall of brown Yeah, it was cardboard. interesting. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was a Kickstarter campaign where it was the ultimate board game storage system. And yeah, throw all your boxes away. And it was in, it was it was a big wall shelf thing, and it were like slide outdoors, and there were like five folders. So you just put all the games inside these things, and then on the outside of the box, you just wrote down the name of whatever was in there, and because you, you could put like Ooh. you could put ten games in the space of three game boxes, right. and it was very very cool. But yeah, there's no way in the world I would ever do that because well, but it's lo- cool looking at all these games, all the cool colorful art. Yep. But I can see somebody who has a more modernist house or something like that yeah. who wants a more streamlined look. Yeah, and I'm sure some people just don't care about the look. But we really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Steve. Steve, oh my goodness. Steve has eight game-related questions. And then a further seven personal questions, which we'll come back to later. Uh, Steve is hitting us hard, honey pie. Although I'm doing most of the heavy lifting, I see. You are. <laughs> I, and I didn't get any water before we started. Oh, dear. Excuse me for a second, everybody. <clears throat> Steve says, regarding prototypes of games, uh, have you already told the designer you will definitely do a run-through before they send you a prototype? Oh, okay. Uh, when they send you a prototype game, maybe you want to on Kickstarter, do you have to send it back? Uh, it varies from case to case. Generally, what happens is, if it's going to be a prototype for a Kickstarter game, I ask them to send me the rules... Well, in some cases, I don't do that because I know it's going to be good because of the pedigree of the designer or because I'm just really excited about the game. That happens sometimes. Um, And I've made a few mistakes sometimes when that's happened. But most of the time, I ask them to send me the rules. I read the rules and try to make my... And and I visualize what the game is going to play like. And I have a very good idea whether I'm going to like the game or not based on that. Occasionally, I make a mistake still, but most of the time, I've got a pretty good idea. If I read that and I say, yeah, that doesn't look in it like it's going to be something we enjoy, I just tell them, sorry, thanks, but no thanks, have to pass. Sorry, I can't help. And if, on the other hand, if I, if I do, I tell them, basically, okay, we'll send it out, we'll play it, and I intend to film a run-through. But bear in mind, if we do get it and it turns out we hate it, I will give you the option at that point to say, yeah, please don't destroy my game um, in a run-through. Because this has happened a few times. There have been a few games where I read the rules and I misread it and I, or you know, whatever, and I thought, yeah, this is going to be really great. And Jen and I got and we're like, oh, my God, we hate this game. This is really not very enjoyable. And it's not a fun email to write, but I write back and I tell them, look, this is our problems with the game. We don't like this, this, or this. If you, and, you know, I generally tend to give them a lot of feedback as well. Um, uh, you know, and, and sometimes they take that on board and they change it. Sometimes they don't. But at the end of all that, I say, 
do you still want me to do the run-through? Here's what I'm going to say. Uh, it's up to you. And almost always they say, yeah, let's pass. Sometimes they do say, yeah, go ahead and do it anyway. Myth is a famous one of that where I told them, look, here's everything I'm going to say about it. And they said, yeah, we can take it. We're big boys. Uh, go for it. And that happens every once in a while. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much what it comes down to. <laughs> in those cases where it turns out it didn't work out, my first thing is, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to help you out here. Uh, do you want me to send this someplace else? And often they do. And they'll have me send it to somebody else somewhere in the world. And, um, you know, and that often happens anyway. I yeah. just uh, got back from the post office a couple of days ago sending on that copy of Clans of Caledonia that I had. Often they, you know, I'm just the next link in the chain. It's going to get sent <laughs> off someplace else. But often, probably, probably 60 or 70% of the time, we end up with a, with a prototype. And there's a space over there in the corner that we just kind of oh. stack them up over time, out of sight, out of mind, and try to give them away. Or anytime Gordon is around, I dump a whole bunch of them on him. I mentioned that earlier in the in the podcast. He's the guy who runs the design school at U, U, U Malta. All righty. Is that stack of games we see in the background of a run-through your entire collection, or do you have another room uh, <laughs> stacked full of games? Not exactly. We have a couple of closets. We have, let's see. There's all those. Those. This is what I consider to be my collection. And if I want to add something to the collection, I try. I end up having to take something off this wall and make room. I have to do that all the time. Um, I'm trying to stick to that. That said, we have our pantry in the kitchen is about 50% pantry stuff and 50% board games. Uh, but now, those are all the board games you'll find at forsale.rado.com um, that we're trying to get rid of or, or what have you. Uh, or they are games that we haven't filmed yet. And, uh, yeah, so that thing you see in the background, that is the full extent of the collection. We'll give or take a few, but that's, that, that is my intent, that I use these shelves as a hard limiter. All righty. Are you ever going to retrieve the games you have stored in the attic of your old house in Guilford? As I live in England... You want me to pop down and get them? <laughs> Seems a shame that no one's playing them. Oh, it dear. is a shame. It is a shame. There's uh, something like 20 in there. Um, Jen was just there a few weeks ago. She was in that very attic. How yeah, did they was... look, Honey Pie? Were they okay? Yeah, they're totally fine. They're... They hadn't fallen over. No. They weren't covered with cobwebs. Nope. They were fine. They're they just stacked in the attic. Yep. They're, you know, they're just hanging out. They're having a holiday. Yeah, they've had a holiday for many, many years. Um... Uh, if we were ever to commit to moving to Malta full time, well, the big thing is, do we ever commit to giving up on that house? We no. dream of moving back to Guilford someday. We do. Yeah, I, I do too. Oh. It's not just you. It's mostly Jen, but yeah. I, 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 I love living there too. Okay. So, yeah, we both plan uh, at some point our lives will, put, will take us back in that direction. It may turn out at some point we might decide that's not feasible. We might say, okay, we've got to give up that dream. We have to move on. It's never the same if you go back, as Jen likes to often yeah, point out. you can never go back. You can never go back. But so, I haven't really left, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jen still only has one foot in Malta and the other foot still in Guilford. <laughs> so if we ever make that decision, that'll be the time where we go back and we clear out the attic. We clear out Jen's workshop mm -hmm. so that we can basically rent the thing for more. Uh, because right now, I mean, we're not getting the full potential out of using it as a rental place because it has a really great summer house that you can't use because it's got Jen's stuff. And it's got a really big attic that you can't use because it's got all of our stuff. Yep. Um, so, 
If we ever make that decision, we'll go back and we'll get the games. Alternatively, if we ever move back, we'll get the games. Yeah. I think those are the two circumstances under which those poor, um, you know, Woody and Buzz Lightyear-esque abandoned <laughs> games will finally find love and joy once more. Okay. What percentage of games that you currently own were purchased by yourself, and what percentage uh, were review copies from publishers? I would say at this point, it's tough to say. Hmm. Uh, probably, well, because so many of these we bought, so many of these games are older ones that we really, really love. I, it's probably not 50-50. I'd say it's probably 60-40. More than likely. Plus, I mean, I still have to buy. I mean, I just bought 20 games a couple of months ago because there are a lot of publishers out there that just won't give me the time of day. Um, Ravensburger doesn't care about me. Uh, um, you know, uh, oh, who else? Oh, uh, Lookout Games doesn't care about me. So I ended up having to get those games via other means. So I had to buy Baron Park. Uh, you know, they, they didn't provide a, you know, I mean, so, yeah, I'd say it's, if I had to guess, I'd probably guess 60-40, maybe 65-35. I'd have to do a thorough inventory, though. But like I said, I'm looking at the wall right now. Uh, every other game I look at is a game we've owned for years and we don't want to get rid of, and that means we bought it. So it's hard to say exactly. All righty. Do you or have you ever played games on an online board game portal like Yukata or Board Game Arena? Uh, his girlfriend and, and he have been introduced to many games that way. We have a couple of times. I think we did, we did a bit when I first moved to Malta and Jen was going to spend another three months in England. I think we play, We did Board Game Arena a bit. Mm, yeah. But it didn't really stick. No. We tried it. But it's just well, a, we, and we tried Pass and Play. We, we yeah. did play a lot of San Juan. We played a lot of San Juan. I seriously thought about putting San Juan on my top ten most played games of all time because we played a lot of that on a single iPhone. Um, hmm. But it, it didn't. It didn't count because it's a video game when you're playing it that way. Yeah. Um, so we played it a few times, but it's just we're we're just not into it. Nope. No. So very very rarely. Uh, do you have any more information on the expansion coming from to Port Royal? No, I don't. I'm, I'm and honestly, introducing a story mode. I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited too. That's all I need to know. Uh, it works great for Oh My Goods. I'm sure it'll work great for Port Royal, even if there was more information, and it may very well be. I, I, that's one of those games. Alexander Fister, the designer, has gotten to the point where he gets a pass. If his name is on it, I want it, unless it's a party game or it's a three-player minimum or something, or it's an abstract. But uh, So, yeah, I haven't paid any attention. I just know I'm going to be getting it at Essen. Uh, do you ever back games on Kickstarter or other crowdfunding sites? Has Jen ever backed anything um, on Kickstarter? Honey, you know, that's actually a personal question because it wouldn't be a game. So we'll come back to that later because Jen does have a sad tale of woe. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I used to back stuff on Kickstarter all the time. Um, it was, but as I've become more and more successful with Rotto Runs Through, and as more often than not, the game I would have backed, they ended up sending me the prototype anyway. So I can't remember. I think the last game I backed on Kickstarter was Samara, which was over a year ago. Because that was one where the developer was like, yeah, I, I, I don't need to run through. That's fine. I'll go without. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, 
I guess I'll get it then. Um, and then ironically, Tasty Minstrel picked it up for uh, distribution, and they ended up sending me a copy. So I've got two copies of Samara. <laughs> That'll learn me for backing something on Kickstarter. I'm a fool. Right. Uh, um, yeah, we'll have to remember to come back to Jen's tale of one the one time she tried Kickstarter, and she'll never do it again. Ever! Well, I don't know. I might do it again. but Ever! That's just shopping. It's um, <laughs> you can you yeah. Can... When it boils down to it, it's just shopping. I, I Kickstarter. Yeah. Let's see. My girlfriend doesn't like games with monsters, so that precludes me from playing a load of games. Gloomhaven would be her worst nightmare. Uh, what about dungeon pets? Those aren't really monsters. They're adorable. I don't know. It depends. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just. If it, it might be a psychological. Maybe she'd be. Maybe they make her uncomfortable. Oh, you well, know, okay. the same. You know, maybe they give her the creepy colleagues. Uh, I really want to get claustrophobia, but that'll be a non-starter. Can you recommend any two-player, lightish games with no monsters? Um, I've checked your top ten filler games and noticed it's over two years now. Uh, any plan on doing an updated one? Yeah, I'll probably do an updated one eventually. Uh, I mean, I, sooner or later, I'll run out of new topics, and I'll just start going through the old ones. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, I, I, I try really hard to make this easy for you, Steve. Just go to ranked.rado.com, and that is every game you see on my wall with me ranking it. Every single one of those games plays well as a two-player game. Um, so check them out. And honestly, the vast majority of them feature no monsters. Very few of them have monsters. If you want to limit it to a subset of weight, because like I said, you're looking for lighter games, don't go to rank.rado.com. Just go to BoardGameGeek. Up at the top of any page, there is Advanced Search. Click Advanced Search, and then you go to the search page. You can type in my username, Rado. And search through my collection, and you can do all kinds of parameters. Search for things that have this particular type of gameplay mechanism. Search for things that are this particular weight. Do a search for all games that are in my collection that have a weight of 0 to maybe 1.5 or 1.8 on, on the 5 scale of, of, of weight. Do a search, and boom, you'll get a list of 20 or 30 games I recommend that are light. And it'll be pretty obvious which ones have monsters and which ones don't. So, I uh, haven't gone fishing for you. I just taught you how to fish. Boom. Moving on. Mark used bolding. Thank you, Mark. It makes it easier to find the questions. How would you pr- pitch Brink the board game? Gosh, I could have sworn I did this. Um, uh, Brink the board game. What would it be? There's a million different ways you could take it. I would want to do, of course, because I prefer... I mean, even though Brink was a first-person shooter action-adventure, I would want it to be a game that focuses not on the, the Civil War, which is what the game was about, but on the, 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 the situation of that world. So it would be a Euro-style city-building simulation where players are founders of the Ark... And it is their responsibility to deal with the nonstop, endless influx of refugees that are coming. That you know, so it would probably be, it would probably be a game that it, it takes place, you know, thirty years before the events of the video game, when Ark was still beautiful and pristine, and refugees from all around the world were coming, and we're the founders, and we we open our doors and let them in, and they you know they over. 
you know, they, 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 you know, I mean, heck, it would be a, you know, like Brink itself, it would be a treatise on the realities of um, refugee management that, you know, faces world governments today. And that's what it would be about. Uh, it would be having to make tough choices about how to provide resources, how to encourage the citizens to welcome these people, even though there might be animosity. It would be about um, how can we build more affordable, ho- or, you know, affordable housing. It would be all about that kind of stuff. And I think it would be an amazing game. I want to play that game so very badly because I love that universe so much. And I have so much invested in it. That's what Brink the Board Game would be, I think. Which game questions are you amazed? No one has ever asked you. Oh, Mark, that's cheap. And what would be the answer? That's me. I don't. Uh, I mean, can I think of a genuine thing that I'm amazed nobody has ever asked? That's tough. That's. Um, that's like saying, just because you can't prove it isn't true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anything. I genuinely can't think of anything. And then. Um, honey, get ready because he has one personal question, which is what personal question we amazed no one has asked us, and what would be the answer? No. You refuse to play Mark. You refuse no. to play Mark's game. Sorry, Mark. We will not play your game. We will not do your work for you. <laughs> you have this to this is a two way street, baby. <laughs> you ask, we answer. You're making us ask and answer. Yeah. Not going to happen. Not gonna. <laughs> All righty. Thomas. No doubt has some real questions, unlike that Mark guy. Fake questions. Um, but that was actually a fun thought exercise, Mark. Yeah, although you made me sad. I really want to play that ring game. Oh, man. Um, man, it would be so beautiful, too. We, the art on that game is amazing. Oh, man. Oh, and you could play his chin. Because he's effectively, he's not really, oh, my God, that would be incredible. Anyway, uh, in the last few weeks... I couldn't help but notice a uh, fluctuation in your top five games of all time um, or, or related to Gloomhaven. It was at number four, and then it jumped to two, and then it went down a bit. What, what the heck is going on? Uh, uh, let's see. If you could take us through your thought process concerning this particular dilemma, why did it keep jumping up and down? Uh, do you wake up at night rushing to your shelves to take another look at your game <laughs> in question? Uh, or do you just let your feelings grow and mature in a more natural and subtle way? Can you objectively explain this game's rank? Uh, I think you spoke a bit about it in the past. Is it set in stone, or should we expect another push from Gloomhaven or another fall? Uh, if you would not... All right. Uh, I would not ask this question for game number 154 and 155. But in the top five, it's a different animal. Explain yourself. He doesn't say that, but that's what he's saying. Justify yourself. Okay. Actually, well, here's the thing. The reason Gloomhaven jumped up and down. I mean, I already knew from the first time I played Gloomhaven by myself as a solo game. Because Jen wasn't here. I, ha- I couldn't play it with her when I had the prototype when it was on Kickstarter. I knew it was going to be one of my favorite games. Is the, the, the core gameplay, the core card-driven decisions you have to make every turn are just so delicious. You know, I mean, it, it, it didn't have to be a dungeon crawl. It could have been anything. It just mm. could have been a game where, oh, yeah, uh, you've got your hand of cards. Each card you can do the top and the bottom. Uh, you have to worry about initiative. There's so much stuff that goes into that decision. It's just brilliant. So I always knew it was going to be, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a top 10, but I knew it was going to be a very, very high-ranked game. And then we got the final thing, and we played it, and there was so much more stuff um, that I knew it was going to be a top 10. And it, originally, it, it kind of clocked in around four or five. And here's the thing. Here's why Gloomhaven had a lot of flux, a lot of flux where other games don't. Um, most games, your Orléans or your Lancaster or your St. Petersburg, or I'm just looking around, or Keyflower or whatever, I play the game one time. 
And even though I haven't seen all the different building types or I haven't looked at all the cards, I've got a pretty good idea of what the scope of that game is going to be. Um, yeah, and I know there's going to be different strategies that will evolve, but I, I, I have a pretty good idea of what the, the width and breadth of that game is. And I can already start making an informed decision of how this game ranks compared to all my other ones. I played another time, and I'm, I'm done. It's bedrock. It's locked in stone. Here's the thing about Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven comes with like 100 missions. And they're not just repeat missions. There is so much amazing variety and so many surprises. Um, the thing that pushed it up... And so, I mean, the more... I, unlike most games, the more I play a game, you know, the more I'll maybe appreciate subtleties. But, you know, if, if I play a game a fifth time, I'm pretty much playing it the same as it was the second or the third or the fourth time. Gloomhaven kept surprising us. When we finally opened up the town charter book, I was like, oh my God, mm. look at this. What is this doing in here? And we didn't see that for like 20 hours. And it was like, and, you know, and, and that, I think that when, when we experienced that, that's, that was one of the things that pushed it up. And the first time we retired a character, it was my rat character and he was on a revenge mission. Um, and um, you know, the culmination of his life's quest was incredibly powerful. And that was the thing that temporarily pushed it up. But then, you know, again, this was, there's so much in this game. Uh, when you take on a new character, it's not just, uh, oh, yeah, this is just kind of a, a, you know, a slightly different take on the same kind of stuff you do. I went from the, the, the Mind Thief to the Cragheart, and I might as well be playing a radically different game. Just a night and day different game. And while I love the Cragheart, I was really disappointed when I discovered that there was a thing that they do with the gameplay. I'm not going to explain because I don't want to spoil in case nobody's played Cragheart. There was something in there that I so strongly disagreed with. I love most everything that was in the way, but there was a rule for, that was introduced with the Cragheart that made it drop. That, I think, was that drop you saw. Um, and there were a few other things that I've stumbled across that have made it drop because that game is a never-ending box of surprises. Game um, 20 plays very, very different than game two. Game um, five of Glenn Moore does not play radically different than game two. So that would be the explanation for why there was so much variation. Because, that I mean, Gloomhaven is ten games in one. It has ten games worth of content. Uh, Isaac Childress is a madman to have put all of that. Any other publisher would have put out a game that shipped with ten missions, and all the other stuff he put in there would have been sold separately as expansions. That's how anybody else in the industry would have done it. But in Gloomhaven, no. He put 20 expansions worth of content, and these are expansions that radically changed the game. So that's why it shifts a lot. And I'm thinking it's probably settled down now because we've played it over 100 hours now. Mm. I'm sure it'll still surprise us, but I think it's running out of surprises. And so we can probably start to figure out where it sits in the overall um, uh, rate. The same thing happened with uh, Pandemic Legacy. Pandemic Legacy, the longer we played it and the more it surprised us the, and the more things that happened, the higher it ranked over and over and over again. Because these are both games where it isn't just a single session and then it's done. Uh, you know, these legacy games, or campaign games for that matter, but legacy even more powerfully so, change and evolve significantly as you move forward and you play from game to game. Um, most Euros don't. And that's not a fault of most euros. It's totally fine. I love my euros. You know, I, I, you know, 
But you know, I, I love Castles of Burgundy. I'll play it. it I'll pursue different strategies every time, but it won't feel like, wow, the game has reinvented itself just because I decide to go heavy into shipping instead of castles or whatever. Hmm. You know, but Gloomhaven, there were some things that made it... You know, I mean, obviously, it's still a dungeon crawl. That didn't change. But the overall gestalt experience changed enough that it ended up fluctuating quite a bit. Good eye. Um, Thomas, was that your only question? Ah, nope, that was it. Okay. Another David. Or heck, maybe it's the same David. Nope, it's another David. Mm, yep. Okay, another David asks, Have you played the new Agricola Family Edition yet? Uh, it's gotten zero buzz. Mixes the action track from Caverna, uh, K versus Cave, special uh, polyomino thing. I thought it was very clever. Much lighter than a regular gameplay. If you have played it, any opinions on why it isn't being noticed? No, I haven't played it. Remember how I said earlier that uh, Lookout Games doesn't give me the time of day? So they're one of the publishers. I mean, I would have, I would, I would love to try it. But I have to admit, we love regular Agricola enough, and I just kind of dismissed it. Oh, it's, it's lighter Agricola. We already love Agricola. And, oh, they're not going to send me a review copy? All right, then that'll just be one that doesn't go on my list of things to do. That's fine. No big deal. I've got too many games to cover anyway. So, I, you know, it, it never got covered. I, this is the first I've heard of the fact that it's more... I have to admit, I just assumed it was regular Agricola without the cards. And I would expect... You ask, why didn't it get more? My first gut feeling would be because they didn't get the word out. I don't even know what your uh, polyomino thing is. You're, but it, it features Agricola now with spatial polyominoes? I don't know what that is. Sign me up! I don't <laughs> even know what that is. I, I, uh, um, but yeah, that's really interesting. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think... I think it was too easy for most people to assume, oh, this is literally just Agricola without the cards because the original Agricola came with a family mode and now you've made the family edition and they just didn't do a good enough job um, getting the word out. Hey, you know one way you can get the word out? Look out. Get me a review copy. But they didn't want to, so say lovey. Um, right, that was it for David until we get to his personal questions later. Next up, Adam wonders, when you first hear about a new game... Which aspect of the game tends to excite you the most, or otherwise has the biggest impact? Theme, designer pedigree, publisher, mechanisms, box art, or something else? Honey Pie, what excites you most? Your enthusiasm. Ah, that's not on the list. Oh, no, something else was on the list, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, because you're the one that figures everything out, so if you're excited about it, I am. But in the absence of that, I mean, all things being equal... Okay, gadgetry. Right, okay, so then that would be mechanisms for Jen, I guess. Yep. Uh, sp- yeah, so Jen, as she's mentioned many times, she is drawn towards... Um, Doodahs. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, interesting, neat gimmicks like the Gears and Zulkin or the Tower and Amerigo or whatever. Um, so if you were to take that back into a broad category, I guess Jen... So is that then fair to say, Honey Pie, that you are more intrigued by a game's mechanisms than its setting? Yes, are you more intrigued by a game's mechanism than its art and presentation? Uh, that's hard because I am a visual person. Exactly. That's why I asked. But I think, yeah, probably. Wow. Okay. Um, and you don't really follow designers, so I don't think that would matter. Uh, so there you have it. For me, I would say the number one thing I care about is designer pedigree. That's the first. Uh, you know, every week... Although sometimes I wait. Um, basically, a lot of people don't know. Board Game Geek has an RSS feed you can subscribe to. 
and it will give you a notification every time a game is added to the database. And so at any given time, I've generally got anywhere from 50 to 200 games I have to go on BoardGameGeek and look at so I can decide to add them to my Games of Interest Geek list. And that backs up. And there's, a, there's like I said, there's hundreds of them every month. And so to try to go through them as fast as possible... This would be the best answer. I mean, uh, this is when I first hear about games. I hear about games because somebody lists them on BoardGameGeek long before the marketing machine ever goes or there's a news story about them or what have you. So when I look at a new thing, the first thing I look at is who's the designer. The second thing I look at is player count. The third thing I look at is... I was going to say mechanisms, but that's not true. The third thing I look at is publisher. Why would the publisher matter? Because... Um, a publisher that steadfastly and repeatedly chooses good games, if we tend to like the majority of the games they put out, chances are I'll like this new game because they have proven they have got taste that aligns with mine. <laughs> and if they've repeatedly chosen games, say, yeah, well, didn't like that, didn't like that, didn't like that. Okay, well, whatever they've got, chances are I'm probably not going to like it because they've got, I mean, publishers have tastes and we have tastes. Hmm. So uh, that's a big one. And then, I, so I'm going to have to say number four. Now, in part, this is because of the raw mechanisms of, of the layout of the page on BoardGameGeek. To get to the mechanisms, you have to scroll down. If the mechanisms were right at the top, maybe my eye would get drawn to them. Well, the first thing I look at is player count, because that's, so that, that's a way that I can immediately eliminate 30% of all games. Oh, uh, not, doesn't support two players? Done. Oh, supports two to 20 players? Pass. <laughs> I mean, clearly that's going to be a terrible two-player experience, and it's designed to be played in a party. So the first thing I always look at is player count, and then designer, but in part that's because it's right there. But that's kind of indicative of, of my personal predilections anyway, I think, as a designer myself. Henrik wonders. <clears throat> Question for... Right. Now that your Steffenfeld coverage is complete, but it soon won't be. Merlin is coming. What is your next target for complete coverage? How about a Kickstarter backers vote for this? Um, I, I, I don't have any targets for anything else, in all honesty. I, there are too many Uwe Rosenberg games I'll never play. I mean, I'll never play Bonanza because it's not a two-player game. Um, there are, I will never finish Mac Gertz games because he's got all those war games, those Imperial games. I will... Gosh, who? The French guys from Troyes, uh, Javier and all that, although I bet you I've already probably done a full coverage of them. Maybe not. I don't think they're... I think Feld was unique. I think that was the only one I set out. I don't think that's going to happen again. Kramer and Kiesling? That means I got to go and play El Grande. I don't want to play El Grande. No offense to El Grande and El Grande fans. Totally not my kind of game. So I think that was a fell thing. Alexander Pfister. Maybe. Maybe. But he's got Witch's Brew. And that's a terrible two-player game. It's a three-player game through and through. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. To be fair... Fell did have one three-player minimum game, Strasbourg, but I had been assured that it had a very good two-player variant. And we tried it, and it was not a good two-player variant, as is so often the case. So I was tricked into Strasbourg. Um, but anyway, are you planning on doing any special coverage of Spiel this year? In all honesty, I, I, I hate to disappoint people, this was the year I was thinking about not taking the camera at all. 
it takes a lot of time. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know how stressed I get at Spiel anyway, yeah. just trying to pick up games. Yep. And then also trying to make time to film stuff. Uh, and it's just so hard. And I, I bought a few months ago some really nice long life batteries for the camera. Um, and they just died while Jen was gone in the middle of a run through. They just spontaneously died. And now the camera doesn't recognize it. It says, This is not compatible with this camera. So now I've only got the one battery that came with it, and it's got a memory. It doesn't record for more than 12 minutes. So I was like, Oh, man. I got to go out and buy more batteries now if I'm going to try and do any decent coverage. And it's like, ah, SN Spiel is already work. I derive almost no joy from going to that convention. And having to cover it is just doing that more. So while I had assumed I was just going to do my normal, hey, let's do a run through of the press room because I have a press badge again, I'm really on the fence about doing it. And I know, no, do it, please, Rado, you must do it. I just don't know. I don't know. I'm really trying to slow down, folks. I'm really trying to stop myself from burning out. So I'm not sure. At this point, Henrik, I am not quite certain. Priscilla! This is a girl who asked us to uh, adopt her so she can come here and work as an x-ray tech. You may recall. <laughs> She's back. Okay. All right. Uh, but uh, nothing about that. Uh, what is the most frustrating puzzle card in Unlock the Formula? Unlock the Formula. Unlocks are the ones where we had to use the phone. Formula was the first one we played. It was the lab. Uh, I don't, gosh, Priscilla, you had to ask us that like within a week of playing it because that was literally the first one we have ever played. And since then, we have played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other ones. And they're all just a big jumble in our heads now. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people have a hard time spotting a particular... Un- unlock, one of the gameplay... This is not a spoiler, but one of the gameplay mechanisms in Unlock is, hey, sometimes there's a number hidden, and you have to look for it because that tells you what to do. Uh, in, in that particular one, I know there's one that a lot of people have a hard time finding. We didn't have a hard time finding that. I don't think we... I don't recall having a particularly hard time with Unlock. Unlock was the first one... Uh, unlock, what was it called? The formula was the first one we ever played. And we thought, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And I know we stumbled with something because then the second one we played was the squeak, you know, the, the cartoon one, yeah. you know, where you're in a cartoon world. And we just breezed through that with no problems at all. And we thought, oh my God, this is even easier. <laughs> so we must have had gotten su- stuck with something. But honestly, I couldn't remember. And I have um, given it away. So I don't have it anymore. So I can't look it up. I'm sorry, so I cannot answer. I cannot answer. I'm sorry. I have failed you. Still looking for x-ray text, though. Okay. Alejandro. Did not hear this in the previous podcast. Or maybe I just totally missed it, and for that I apologize. Why didn't you include Merlin in your list of games to demo on Gen Con? I will tell you why, Alejandro. Because publishers be crazy, yo. Um, That... Gen Con preview and my soon, uh, let's see, it'll be not the next podcast, but the podcast after this. Next podcast will go back to regular, and then the one after that is going to be an Essen preview. I rely 100% on Eric Martin's geek list, or now, you know, his preview tool on BoardGameGeek. I just, if, if it's not on that list, it doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. And for whatever reason, a lot of publishers just don't take the time to send Eric Martin an email saying, hi, we're going to have this game at the show in demo form. 
and then he doesn't put it on the list, and then I don't put it on the list. I guarantee you, if it had been on the list as of the time I had made that, let's see, actually, let's see if it ever made it on the list. Let's see if they ever told him. Um, because I just don't understand why publishers... I mean, it's free freaking publicity. It's publicity. It's PR 101. You have this incredible tool that, uh, admittedly, a very small niche of the board gaming community, but a very hardcore niche, board game geeks, you know, rely on hugely, and they just don't bother to contact him. I mean, it's just, it's just insane to me. Or they do it way, way too late. The day after I put that up, Stronghold Games made public their list of stuff that they were going to have at the show. And I guarantee you, they mentioned they were going to have demos of the Freedom and Freeze F games that are coming out. I would have ranked those very high. If I'd been there, I would have definitely wanted to play them. They didn't make my list because Stronghold waited one day too long, and I didn't know about them. Now, to be fair, I would imagine often they don't mention it because they don't know until the last second whether it will be at the show, and um, you know, and they don't want to commit if it's not going to be there. Yeah, I just looked. The, uh, Merlin, even now, Merlin officially is not part of Gen Con 50, and that's why it wasn't on the list. And I, who is the publisher of Merlin? Is it Pegasus? I don't know. I haven't even looked. I didn't care. I just knew it was coming. Honey, Merlin is a new uh, uh, Steffenfeld game that's coming. This. Ooh. Uh, yes. Let's see. Oh, it's from Queen. So Queen just couldn't be bothered to tell Eric Martin, which makes no sense to me at all. And so it didn't make the list. It drives me batty. Queen, whoever was there, it would have taken you five seconds to say, oh, by the way, we're going to have a demo. Uh, and you would have gotten, you would have gotten, I mean, heck, maybe they wanted to keep it secret. Maybe they didn't want to get swamped with Stefan Feld fans. Um, I, I couldn't, but anyway, that's, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself. As you can see, it really gets my goat. Um, but anyway, let's see here. And, yeah, long story short, if I had known, it would have been my number one most must-see game of the show, easily. Let's see here. All right. And that was it for questions. Alejandro mentions he also lives in Houston, and they were affected by Harvey. Oh, Um, So they were stuck in their home for days. But fortunately, he and the girlfriend, uh, you know, they're hoping everybody, you know, they, they, you know, they're hoping for the best. He sent this back on the 30th, right, when it was uh, going. Uh, they were just staying home and playing board games. Uh, during the, as, as the world raged outside, they just stayed home for a few days and just played board games nonstop. And that's beautiful. Uh, that's, that's great to hear one good story to come out of that cluster bomb of, of what's happening down there. So thanks for sharing that, Alejandro. Kenny! Honey, this is the last game-related question, so you're about to be on deck. Okay. But in the meantime, Kenny wants to know. Oh, thanks for the show. You, uh, thank you for the kind words. It's probably mentioned elsewhere, but I couldn't find it. Are you going to Essen this year? Yes, we are going to Essen. Both Jen and I will be there. What are your plans for the convention? I met Jen last year. Uh, and I would love to catch a, a, catch a glance of you this year. <laughs> uh, Jen will be, you'll be able to find her easy enough. Yep. She'll be in the same spot at NSKN's booth. Hawking her wares, including Ooh, Mega Meeples yeah. for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, I've only got... They are truly mega. We'll be doing a Kickstarter update about those. We need to do that this week. Yeah. He's going to listen to soon. do. And uh, I will, you'll see me running around like a madman for four days straight, stressed, and I, I will, you'll Sweating. literally see me running through Essen. <laughs> literally. 
Um, like carrying a little trolley full of games, trying to run them back to the car so I can go out and get another trolley of games so that basically I collect a year's worth of games all in the space of a few days. Um, I have no particular plans. I do not have a place I'm going to be like Jen does. Yep. So well, I'm you'll, sorry. you'll be at the um, game trading thing at noon every... <sighs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, uh, that's true. In, the, in, la- in past years, I have uh, gone to the math trade. But it's weird. This year, I have. I've given away and um, gotten rid of more games here in Malta than ever before. I have fewer games. But I probably will be at the math trade every day, wherever that appears. So you can probably find me there. And have you ever played World Without End... Pillars of the Earth always gets a lot of love. But what about World Without End? Shoulder to shoulder it stands. I have never played it. It's on the request list. I've never sought it out. I, I, I definitely, I'd give it a try. But to be honest, we weren't the biggest fans of Pillars of the Earth. We thought it was not particularly well designed for two players. And so it's just not been a high priority for me. The new one, Column of Fire, is coming out. So that's definitely, I'm interested in it. Although, again, I'm worried. Will it be good for two players? I don't know. I have World Without End, the card game, in German. And it, unfortunately, never gets enough thumbs on the request list, request.rado.com, to push it to the top so we could play it. Uh, Yeah, it's just one of many games that have slipped between the cracks. And phew, that's it, folks. That was an hour and ten minutes of Q's and some A's. Quite a few A's. And now I'm very thirsty. So let's let's pause for station identification. (laughs) And I'll be right back with Jen and Jen can take up the mantle. Honey, you got to do some heavy lifting here. I'm, 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 I'm broke. We, we I'm, shall I'm rest out. your voice. All righty. Okay. Hold on, everybody. We'll be right back. Okay, folks. Welcome back. Time to get personal. So for some, that means time to bail right now. <laughs> get out. Get out. Right. So let's see. Before we get to the stuff that's in the personal folder, Honey Pie, uh, it won't be in this folder. So circling back around to the oh, Kickstarter. Couple, yeah. Honey, have you ever backed a Kickstarter project? I have. I did once back a Kickstarter program pro- project. And it was this leash that was supposed to expand and contract um, very easily and wonderfully with elastic stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And they have not delivered, and I think it's been three years, maybe longer, four possibly. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of giggle at myself because I was all kinds of concerned that, well, you know, because we live over here, it would take an extra couple of weeks for it to be <laughs> delivered via the postal system. And, uh-huh. yeah, I'm yeah, not, not too worried about that extra couple of weeks now. Yep. How you feel about it? I seem to recall you were pretty pissed at one point. Well, have you made your peace? Um, you know, it seems to me I bought something. I should get something, or I should have a refund. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how it is. I, as far as I know, they have no plans to do refunds. They spent a bunch of money on um, development, so they spent all their Kickstarter money trying to find a better elastic thingy for this leash, and as far as I know, have not succeeded. Um, you know, so I guess I can't blame them, but on the other hand, it just teaches me to buy something before it's ready for market. Mm-hmm. So, caveat emptor. Yes. So does that mean you are done with uh, Kickstarter? You would not use it again as a result? I think I might not buy a product that's not yet actually being produced. Mm-hmm. Which is a little sad, because I do think there's a lot of people out there who, who need Kickstarter to fund the actual idea that they're making. Yeah. 
Um, but maybe I just also need to back people who have a proven record of making the thing that they are promoting. It's the leash tamer. The leash tamer. Simply the best leash you'll ever own. Or not own, as the and case may be. their last update was from December of last year, right after Christmas. And basically, uh, if we don't get everybody we need from the new parts, we circulate a survey to gather info to return. Oh, so they're making their last-ditch effort. Uh, working with some new factory, and if it doesn't work out, they will circulate a survey to gather info to return pledges mm. to what has been overall a very understanding backer group. Well, I feel like I've been fairly understanding. I haven't written them any emails or anything. I've just thought, well, a bit unfortunate. So when did I back that? I mean, it was like three or four years ago, wasn't it? Let's see. It was, oh, where is the date on here? It seemed like a really good idea. They had a good prototype that they filmed themselves using. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 2015, July. Oh, no, no, that was, um, yeah, it was 2015, um, May. Oh, okay, so only two years, two and a half years. Yep. Okay. Only two and a half years. My extra two weeks for shipping time yep. did not become an issue. So are you willing to give them the benefit of the doubt? Oh, I think you're, I already have not, given them the benefit yeah, you're not of the doubt. Uh, the, uh, Ilk of, they're evil. This is all an elaborate scam to steal our money. We should sue them. No. Actually, just having made something from scratch that I have never made before, yep. I can certainly understand. biting off more than you can chew. Yeah. I can certainly understand how things grow in unexpected ways to cost more and to take more time and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. But I have delivered on my prototype um, promises, so I feel good about that. Yeah. I see. Has he posted anything else since that December? I don't see anything. Although it's just page after page after page of people flaming and complaining like that's going to do anything. Yeah. Stop being so angry, people. It's not helping anything. Um, anyway, well, so. And I guess I gambled with money I was able to afford to lose. It was $20. Yeah, 20 bucks. I'm, you know, I cannot yep. cry too deeply in my beer about that. Yep. Not that I drink beer. <laughs> I don't drink beer. The reality is, if you back something on Kickstarter, you are an investor. Mm. And sometimes, invest, you know, the, the shark tankers and the dragon denners, they'll tell you, you know, sometimes we invest and we get nothing for it. Yep. That happens if you invest in things sometimes. Yep. Sometimes you invest in stocks and the company goes under and you get nothing for it. True. If you uh, don't want to take that risk, don't invest in things. Only buy things that are on your store shelves. Anyway, yep. sorry. So that was whoever's question that was. But now we're moving on to new personal questions, starting with Priscilla is again with us wondering, <laughs> honey, yeah. if CV, the yeah. game, yeah. the roll the dice, yeah. tell a life story, was based on our live, lives, what cards would we have? Um, well, Barking dog. <laughs> definitely have dogs. Um, it would be obviously no children. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot of travel. It would be minimal education, I suppose, since we both dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't know. What else See, would it be? See, for you, I think there'd be some kind of um, work ethic card <laughs> where it, had a, it would have a special rule that every turn you have to keep spending more time on it. 
And if you don't, then you start getting miserable. Um, whereas if you do, you never get happy from it um, by spending more and more of your life working. But if you don't, you will feel empty and you're like, ah, I'm not, I'm not producing something. My life is a waste. So it would be this weird... I guess it would be, what was the thing that was added in the expansion? The, the things other players could attack you with. I, you know, somebody would hit you with this work ethic that <laughs> if you don't keep burning time on this card, just, you know, you'll, you'll be miserable. But, um, you know, uh, you know so burning the time on it only gives you a very small return of just a little bit of happiness. Or a little bit of money. Yeah, or, a li- yeah, or whatever, yeah. yeah. So I think that would uh, be... And maybe it would be an either-or. You could have a little bit of happiness or a little bit of money. Yeah, there you because go. Because that's yeah. how it works, yeah. isn't it? But, um, <laughs> but you would have to, every turn, just keep wasting one of your dice on it just to keep it from sending you into despair. Jen has a very strong work ethic. We're, we're working on that. Yeah. She's... Uh, She's failing at retirement. She's not, she's not very good at it. Um, Here's the fish man coming by. Can you yeah. guys hear that horn in the background? I don't know if they could hear oh, that. Well. That's too far away. But, or maybe they could. Let's see. I would have ice cream would be in there. Oh, certainly. And I'd know. have potato chips. Let's see. Oh, potato chips. I ice love cream, potato, potato chips. chips. I would have, let's see, for the uh, evaluating life thing, I would have some kind of contentedness one. Where, idleness. Yeah, idleness. Yeah, that that would be the number one way that I could generate a happiness engine is by doing nothing. Yep, you'd get like plus four happiness. Yep. Um, if if every turn you, I guess it'd be another. I'm just designing the exact same card but a different version of it. <laughs> where um, every turn uh-huh. I get four happiness if I only use half of my dice. And half of my dice, I just, yeah, it doesn't matter what they are. I'm just going to get rid of them because I don't want to do anything. <laughs> that would be a card for me, definitely. That would be pretty good. Uh, let's see here. I'm not saying it would make for a good game, but, yeah. Let's see here. Back to Alex, who says, A couple episodes back, it was mentioned that Jen takes care of all the financial details to the point of making notes of even small purchases and gifts. Well... I also take note of everything, and since you're the first person I know, in quotes, uh, that does the same thing, do you have any tips, any more tips? What method do you take notes? Excel spreadsheets, other software? Which one? Do you log money um, as you go along throughout the day, or do you have specific daytime you, you mark it all down? Tips, tips, tips. Okay. Says Alex. Well, back when I first started doing it, yes, I carried paper in my purse or my wallet or whatever, and every penny that left or came into our lives, I noted. And I did, I think at the time I was probably using Excel. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, back in our 20s. I mean, I remember when we first got married, we originally had a plan where we were going to trade off. Okay, I'll do the finances this year, and then you do the finances next year. And so I think I did them the first year, and then you did them the next year, and then you never stopped doing them. Yeah. Because you couldn't possibly give it back to me. Well, but uh, I do remember that first year that we just had an Excel spreadsheet yeah. in Windows 3.1, <laughs> and we uh, used that every month to reconcile against the checkbook because we didn't use credit cards. We wrote checks and Yeah, but that was well that. before that. I See, I read a book called Your Money or Your Life, I think in my early 20s, mm. and that was talking about basically... Did that say, don't have your husband manage your finances? No, it didn't say that at all. <laughs> no, but it said basically you need to figure out what your real working wage is. And if you have to spend money on clothes and transport and lunches out and coffee in the morning or whatever, all that stuff adds to essentially your daily expenses, of which is part of working. And if, so if, if you don't spend that stuff, 
um, and you don't work, then you don't have those expenses going out. So, and you really have no idea how much money you're spending unless you start tracking it. So I started tracking it. Um, and I think around that time, I did get a copy of Quicken. It might have been when we were 24, 25, 26, somewhere in there. Um, and so I've used Quicken ever since then. And I use categories in Quicken to track things. Um, as I've gotten less uh, detail-oriented, I have grouped certain categories into some, you know, one common one instead of independent ones. But like um, when I first started, I used to track what I spent on each dog. And now I just have a pets category, which <laughs> includes dogs and chickens and stuff. And somebody's calling. Someone is. I bet that's somebody who wants to bring you a package. Folks, we'll be right back. Okay, honey, you were in the process of categorizing, I believe? Yeah. So basically, that's, that's how I do it. And we used to try and have a budget, like, uh, so $100 a month or something for the honey's games. And $100 a month for me for gardening or knitting stuff or whatever. Um, She's talking about video games, folks. Yeah, video games yeah, back yeah. in the day. So, yeah. So, and then that just helped us kind of keep track of where the money was going. But I, I, it was amazing how, you know, a couple of bucks here for a, uh, out, out for lunch out or a dollar for a cup of hot chocolate here. I mean, all that stuff added up. And it, it was really interesting to see kind of where all the little leaks were. And so I recommend... Um, anybody do that just to see where their money's actually going and if they're getting the amount uh, of pleasure out of that money. $100 a month for video games adds up pretty quick, too. Yeah, but so does, you know, if you go to and have two bucks on coffee every morning for 30 days of the month, that's 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Or 720 at the end of the year. You could have bought a video game for that. You could have bought lots and lots of video games for that. Mm. So anyway, I just thought that was really interesting, and that was one of the real eye-openers of our early married life um, and just, I think, has served us well to make sure we're spending money where it gives us the most pleasure. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered stopping the logging of the dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign? Yeah, no, not really, because now with the downloading into Quicken, it more or less happens automatically for me. So I just, you know, there's a few things that don't have a category when it gets downloaded from the bank or the credit card. And um, so I just go in and I... And a lot of them are about cash purchases. Oh yeah. We don't really, I generally log. So if I go to the post office, um, and I know I've spent 35 on that and I took a hundred out when I do the log in Quicken, I'll say cash out a hundred, 35 of it. I, I do the postage, but that's more of a business tracking thing because it's tax deductible. So, um, I I guess I don't really track our small incidentals anymore. Mm. So, like when I get on the ferry or whatever, it's a Euro 15 to get on the ferry to go over. If you walk on, I would not bother to track that anymore. But there was a time in your life when you would have. Yes. Mm. Uh, although I wasn't rabid. I was only rabid for a couple of years. I mean, really, really detail-oriented for a couple of years, which, you know, again, I think once you become aware and you track something, and you only become aware of stuff you really track. If you don't track it, you know, you just, you're, whether it's what you're eating every day or how much you're exercising every day, or how much time you're spending on X, Y, or Z. If it's not tracked, it really isn't being analyzed, I think, or paid attention to. And so you probably won't make changes until you actually devote the energy to track it. Well, plus we just don't spend as much money now as we used to. Yeah. Um, Especially not little We certainly don't pay $100 a month in video games or gardening supplies anymore. Those days are long over. Yeah, well, (laughs) how many shovels does one need to buy? Indeed. 
don't know, how many shovels were you buying at the time for $100 well, a month? it was various shovels and little shovels and trimmers and... How many shovels did we have? We had loads of shovels. I was unaware. Uh, I had yeah. no idea what was happening in the shovel department. <laughs> some of them are the, the pokey kind, some are the, the flat size, some of them are little handheld ones, some of them are special hose. Mm-hmm. Yes, for weeding. All right. So, yeah, we've had a few fair shovels in our time. Okay. Uh, let's see. Alex continues. I know you've mentioned that you don't like running, but have you ever tried it? I love running. Yeah. I, I, I don't like running. Yeah. Jen likes it, but she's just not very good at it or not what? very good at sticking at it. Yeah. No, when I have run, I have felt great and I have loved it. So I just have to get back into it. It's the, it's the restarting and getting through that first couple of weeks where you're, you know, you have to overcome your mental uh, inertia, I guess, mm-hmm. about it. Plus, it's bloody hot in Malta, and I just really don't like to be wet and sweaty. But i got to get over that. Mm, yes. Life-changing book in your life. Good calorie, bad calorie, right? Paleo, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> have you read? Um, and if so, can you recommend Born to Run? I have not read it, so no, I cannot. There we go. All righty. I'm guessing Alex is a runner. All Which right. I am. And that Actually, was it. Actually, I'm getting ready to start running again. I've been reading about the run walk um, thing. The run walk. Yeah. It's basically you run for a minute, and then you walk for a minute, and then you run for a minute, and then you walk for a minute. And it's supposed to be able to, um, to prevent injuries, actually, because you're not doing really repetitive stuff. It allows your tissues and stuff to mm-hmm. rest a little bit between. Um, so that's how I'm going to get back into it, actually. Just as soon as it cools down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Will wonders, how proud are we that Malta passed the Marriage Equality Act by a very large majority? I think it's absolutely splendid. Mm-hmm. So we're very proud. Or uh, I am. It's, it's very amazing. I mean, I think it's less than a decade ago that a divorce was made legal. Mm. I mean, you know, so Malta's just had this crazy, super fast-going renaissance. Um, You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, a lot of these social reforms are because of the change in government, and we we just finished a big election, and there was a lot of brouhaha about how, oh, this this new liberal government we got, they're so corrupt, we got to get them out! Got to go back to the way things were. And, you know, while the rest of the world is Brexiting and Mm. Trumping. Trumping and all that. I was very happy to see that Malta stayed the course. Said, oh, how about we just continue to um, make forward progress on these social issues yeah. that we've um, just, yeah, I, I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, good job, Malta. Still got a long ways to go, but, uh, you know, really making up for lost time. Let's see here. Then we move on to G, who says... Uh, all right. Um, if you were mysteriously murdered by someone in the board game industry, publishers, reviewers, etc., who do you think would be the murderer? Who would be the prime suspect? And what would the reason, and what would be their weapon of choice? <laughs> I think I missed this. This was actually supposed to be under game. <laughs> um, but it has much to do with games. Who would murder me? What would uh, be the reason and what would be their weapon of choice? Well, obviously, it'd be death by a thousand paper cuts. Why is with, that? With little cards. Card oh, cards. I see. No. I'm going to assume it would be Tom Vassell 
because I'm, I'm catching up with him in terms of subscriber numbers, and he's worried about losing his top spot, and he'd do it by throwing me off the roof. <laughs> How about that? There you go. There we go. That's the first thing I could think of. Uh, but now to uh, G's personal question. You mentioned being a fan of the Beatles more than a few times. Whose solo career, after they split, do you like the most? Um, that's tough. Do you have anything you'd like to say on that, Honey Pie? I think I enjoy Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney for the Honey Pie. A good call. Live and let die. Wings. All the rest of it. Uh, I have to admit, I'm actually... My You asked, and the first thing that popped into my head, so I'm just going to go with my gut, would be George. George Harrison. It's because of the Traveling Wilburys. I think they only ever did two albums, maybe three, but I loved the Traveling Wilburys so much. And of course, he's just, it's a super band with him and Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne and and uh, and uh, was, Bob, was Bob Dylan in them too? I don't remember. Uh, this is back in college days, but yeah, I mean, I really love the Traveling Wilburys, and he had that one big hit in the '80s or the early '90s. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the quiet one. Sing a little of the the big hit for us. I am not. <laughs> Just a little. What? Which one? Whatever the big hit was, because I'm, I'm familiar with the name. I got my mindset on you. I got my mindset. Oh. But it's going to take money. A whole lot of spending money. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take plenty of money <laughs> to do it right, child. Yeah, he just, and he repeated that same refrain like 50 times. It was not the best song, <laughs> but it was a big hit. It was catchy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely catchy. Um, let's see here. Thomas. Says, I uh, came across an artist, Carol Milne, M-I-L-N-E, through Facebook, who knits with soft glass and thought it looked really cool. Soft Lit- glass. Knitted glass. He sent a link. Okay. Have you uh, played around much with soft glass, and will you now become a glass knitter? Golly, Carol Milne. M-I-L-N-E. This is not particularly exciting, so while Jen is looking Ah. that up, because she is intrigued by such things, um, we will move on to Steve, and we'll circle back around if Jen's going to start knitting glass now. So Steve had a whole bunch of game questions we've done, now let's do his seven personal questions. What game consoles did you own when you were younger? I had a Spectrum and then an Atari. Any favorite games like Lemmings? Have you... uh, Made your life decision about knitted glass, honey pie? Uh, just a minute. I'm looking. All right. Well, I'll answer. When I was younger, I had, I had a Pong um, box in the 70s from Sears. I'm pretty sure it was from Sears. might have been pennies. Everybody, every department store had one at the time. So I had that. And then you know, I had um, you know, the Mattel baseball and football and football twos. I had those, but then the real console, I didn't have an Odyssey one. I, I had an Atari 2600 of ECS, and what was my favorite game? That would be Chopper Command from Activision. Oh, my gosh, that was so amazing. I, I devoured that game. Remember back when Activ- you could take a picture of the screen and then send it as proof that you got a certain score, and then the Activision would send you a patch saying you were master of the game? I had a bunch of those patches. But uh, none I loved more than my Chopper Command patch. And let's see. Uh, And that was it. 
Uh, oh, uh, and then I had a Texas Instruments 99-4A. And Tunnels of Doom was my drug of choice on that platform. That was an amazing game. I had so I spent so many hours. Although, of course, my parents got it so I could learn to program, and I did. I programmed my own games. But the best game I programmed for it was Root Beer Run. It was the first one time I messed around with sprites. And it was uh, kind of a side-scroller. You were a big rig truck and all you you were constantly moving to the right and you could push left or right to move back and forth because it was the future and root beer was the the most prized possession in the world and you were making a root beer run and um helicopters because i love chopper command would come by and drop bombs and so you just basically moved left and right and dodged and it was just me learning how to program with sprites and whatnot um so i think that was it and jen i guess is still reading about knitted glass are you intrigued um, it doesn't say how she does it, but I have an idea how she does it, and I think it's really brilliant, but I do not have the setup to be able to do anything like that. At this point, <laughs> if we move back to England, I could probably swing it. Ah, Thomas, you might have just changed Jen's career trajectory. <laughs> if ever we move back to England. All right. Hey, do you have any um, young stories of video games in the home? Uh, we had a Commodore 64. Mm, I was very jealous. I was stuck with that TI-994A. <laughs> and I'm sure we must have had an Atari at some point. I'm sure we, we must have. Yeah. Um, I wanted all of them. I wanted my Intellivision. I wanted an Odyssey 2. I was so jealous of that fancy game where you could put the the piece of plastic over the keyboard and it was the map of the world you could travel around. And I wanted a ColecoVision and I wanted a Vectrix. I wanted all of them, but all I had was a 2600. Chopper Command was really good. So you, but you don't remember any particulars? Was there any particular no. game you liked playing a lot on your Commodore? I don't really remember any of them. No. no. I mean, okay. Pac-Man was the first really good game, I thought, and mm-hmm. Donkey Kong. Those were my two faves. But those would be arcade. I know. I'm, that's what I'm... So you didn't use the Commodore that much? Well, it was a dad's. Ah, it was a work Commodore. No, it was... We saw my dad oh, I see. every right, third right. weekend. Yeah, so. so you didn't spend too much quality time with it. And you don't remember if you had an Atari or a... I'm sure we had an Atari, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, Do we have satellite TV in Malta, or do you watch terrestrial channels in Maltese? (laughs) Um, I have no idea. I assume, yeah, satellite TV is available here. I see plenty of satellite dishes, but we don't do that. We just, we have a cable package, but in all honesty, we don't watch any local television at all. Um if I could get the local news in English, everybody keeps telling me, yeah, there's an hour that they broadcast local news in English. And I've tried it. I've never found it. So I just gave up. Um, pretty much everything we watch, we stream from America, you know, through all the devices. I recently, up till now, I've, always, I've talked in the past about how I used the DNS, but it just wasn't working as reliably anymore. Uh, so I switched to Tunnel Bear which is absolutely a phenomenal service. It's full VPNing. Doesn't really, when I tried VPN in the past, things really slowed down. But Tunnel Bear doesn't seem to affect it much at all. It's really affordable. And I just tell the world, hey, I'm in America, so I'd like to watch American shows, please. And boom, Hulu says, oh, you're in America. Good job. Oh, Netflix, you're in a good job. And, uh, of course, my mom, who still lives in America, and she has cable. So I'm able to say that we have cable, cause I, and I can give you know her account and whatnot. So basically we're kind of piggybacking off of her cable to be able to watch like you know 
CBS and stuff like that. So that's what we do. Um, yeah, and yeah, we still have the TV package, but the only reason we have the TV package through cable is because if we got the whole thing as a package, our internet was cheaper, but we never, ever use it. Do you guys, let's see, you have a lovely relationship. It's lovely to see you're interacting with the videos. Do you ever have arguments? And if so, what do you argue about? Oh, well, there's a good question, isn't uh, it? Do you want to answer that? You don't have to. Yeah. Um, well, of course we have arguments. Okay. Not very many. All right. Because we've been married an awfully long time, so we've got everything all pretty much ironed out. Yeah, we've gotten fairly good at this. <sighs> what did we last argue about? I remember I was, we had a pretty good argy-bargy, mainly on my part, mm-hmm. almost entirely on my part, because I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And are you thinking about what I'm thinking about with the leashes? No. And walking that way? No. I, 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 right I, after I brought Gert home? I, 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 I don't remember the particulars. Okay. I just remember every once in a while you get really, really angry. Yeah. Basically what happens is, um, I don't know, maybe it's genetic or something, but um, as a kid growing up, my mom always stuffed her feelings. And at some point there would be a straw that breaks the camel's back and she would um, sort of, I don't want to say explode, but she would get really angry and she would do stuff like um, go into the kitchen and throw pots and pans or... um, one time she broke a chair. I mean, she like karate chopped a chair to, into Tinder. So growing up and seeing that, I mean, she never hurt me. She never hurt us, my sister and I. We, we were never beaten or any of that kind of stuff. But to see this kind of explosive rage was definitely a real eye-opener. And I, I didn't want to have that happen to me because I, I think I have the same tendencies. Um, so... We do try and talk things out as much as possible, and mainly that means that when I'm upset about something, I have to go away and have some quiet time and figure out what it is that's actually bothering me, because usually whatever it is that sets me off is not the thing. There is some other thing that is, you know, I've, I've stuffed or whatever. So um, on our last little, what I'm going to call my last little tiff, um, I had spent a bunch of time in England last summer about this time and I'd brought, I'd, I'd picked up Gert and I was in the studio making stuff and, um, oh God, getting a dog into or out of England is a royal pain in the tuchus mm-hmm. since this is a family show. I thought you were going to say patootie. Patootie is good too. Um, but so essentially I'd done a bunch of research and decided to take the ferry over to Amsterdam and fly out of Amsterdam because it's so easy to just, you just go to the airport and you take your dog with a crate and they (laughs) essentially you pay, I think it was 60 euros or something like that. And she flew on the same plane as I did. I checked her in like she was a piece of baggage. You know, they took, they took care of her and all that. And basically when I got to Malta, there was a, a vet over here that checked her passport and all that stuff. And we just walked into the country and it was very easy. Whereas in England, you have to work through this like handler thing that deals with the airplanes, uh, air, the airlines, and it, oh my god, it's just a hassle. But because of the way the scheduling worked with the ferry and getting on the the flight that morning, it was pretty tight. And thank goodness we have some wonderful fans um, that live near Amsterdam. Hi, Gert. Who who Gertrude is not named after, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and they picked me they picked us up at the ferry and they drove us to the us airport. Being you and Gert, me and Gert, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was it was just as smooth as possible and as stress free as possible, but nonetheless, I was completely stressed out from 
all of the stuff that I'd been doing in England plus the travel stuff. So anyway, I got here and, you know, got home and everything was fine. And I don't know, within a day or something, we were going to go out and walk Gert. And we still have Dob at the time. And for some reason, <laughs> I don't think, I, I might have even been oh, sick right, or something. Oh, right, right, right. I remember this now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Duck had put on his headphones because he usually listens with to podcasts in one ear as we walk. And, um, and I was putting on my shoes or something. I can't remember. Anyway, he walks out of the house and I'm gathering poop bags and the leashes and putting my shoes on and whatever else I was doing. And I was absolutely furious that he could not take, you know, a half a second and put the leashes on the dogs yeah. or maybe they needed their collars put on and then the leashes on or I don't know what it was some stupid little something yeah. like that but he's out he's out waiting for me outside now as in I'm, my defense and yeah. to be fair you didn't realize this but what I had done is all I was doing was walking out to go get the mail yeah and then I was going to bring it back in which he didn't say, I'm going to go grab the mail. Yeah, I was just, you know, Jen was getting the dogs ready, and, you know, there was a new dog, and she was, you know, and, and, and so Jen thought I was just being a total dick and just walking out and not offering to help or anything like that. When, in fact, I was just going to get the mail, and I was going to come back. Yeah. And, yeah, that just, I mean, you just raged. Yeah, I was pretty pissed. Yeah. And, and again, it wasn't that, you know, I'm perfectly capable of putting leashes on dogs and putting my shoes on. It's, mm-hmm. It wasn't that. It was just everything in the, the prior month including car troubles in England. You know, I mean, just all of this stuff um, led to me boiling over. And so that is the kind of stuff that if you want to say we fight, we fight about. Mm -hmm. And again, it's me. It's just me having to get through my stuff. (laughs) And I don't think I do that, but once every few years, you know, it just doesn't happen that much. I can remember the prior time we were getting ready to move from Indina to here. So that must have been about four years ago. So every three years or so, he has to put up with me Because erupting. there's some really big, stressful thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's... And I wouldn't even really say that's a fight. I think that's just me not coping well. And I, I probably just need to say, listen, I need a bit more support. Mm-hmm. I, need, I need you to pay more attention to me right now and be as proactive as possible. Yeah, because I certainly had no idea. I mean, as you said, Gert had no idea. And they, when they picked you up at the airport, that you were probably still... Oh, yeah. I mean, I hadn't slept. But to be honest, I mean, you probably didn't either because you were just compartmentalizing it. Yeah, and I was just... I'm, I just plow through. I just get through it. You know, whatever it is, I just plow through. And then later on, I kind of decompress. Yeah. So, there you go. That's a lot of detail. Yep. There you go. You, you asked, <laughs> you got it, Steve and Monica. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys seem to... Oh, wait, no. Uh... Were you eligible to vote in the U.S. election, and did you? Um, yes, we were, and we did. We yes, voted we did. in the state of Texas. We did everything we had to do to vote ahead of time via what, via mail-in yep, yep. ballots and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it was to no avail. Do you think Trump will survive his first, his full term? <laughs> Um, Meaning, will somebody assassinate him, or will he have a heart attack, or what? What are you asking? I don't. (laughs) He didn't specify. I don't think he's going to get assassinated. I guess the question is, will he serve for four years? Well, my, I I hate to wish anybody ill, but if he were to die of a heart attack in his sleep or something like that, I would not mourn. Hmm. I'm saying something. I suspect, yeah, he probably will. It's unfortunate. It'd be great. I mean, obviously, there'd be. It's not like getting rid of him would get rid of all the problems, but at least they'd be reasonable problems instead of absolutely insane, 
crazy problems. But sorry for any Trump fans who listen to the show. We can agree to disagree. Uh, but I suspect that, I don't know. Uh, you know, the problem is that that core tr- Trump, recur- you know, the, the only way he's going to get bumped out is if Congress acts. And the Republicans can't act because if any of them move against him, they will get voted out of office. Because every single Trump fan, and there's still a kernel of them, who are fervent and diehard and will never abandon him, no matter what he does, um, no matter, I mean, even starting nuclear war, uh, they'll still support him. If the Republicans move against him, they're all out. Be, you know, and they know that. So they're kind of stuck you know, with the guy they brought to the dance. So there's nothing they can do. Um, I'm sure they would be very, very happy to get rid of him and just have Pence, and they're probably just waiting for his approval to fall low enough so that they can move against him without jeopardizing their own reelection. And as soon as they can, they will. So they can just put Pence in because, you know, they can work with him. And, uh, and if not, they'll just wait four years. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see if they try to primary him out. That'll be really interesting. Uh, may you live in interesting times. We certainly do. And you know what? Uh, the populace gets the government they deserve. So they asked for it and they got it. But we did not. And we don't live there. And we're not coming back anytime soon. Uh, we were seriously considering it yep. before. Um, because uh, you know, it looked like things were were on the mend. Things, things were, were getting great. better. That the country oh was God. going in the direction that is compatible with our worldviews. But uh, talk about two steps forward and one step back. I'm thinking it's two steps <laughs> yeah. forward and about ten steps back. Yeah, it's it's very depressing. Yep. Um, same questions about Brexit. Mm. Uh, Steve is in England, so he thinks it's particularly a tragedy, especially for young people. Oh, gosh. They're yep. totally yeah. hosed. Yeah, no, of course, yeah, we were totally terrible. It was absolutely horrible. Um, I just keep hoping that they're going to just go, you know what, we can't come to an agreement about this, and there's far too much crap to have to sort out. Let's just, and just never mind. <laughs> never mind. Well, yeah, particularly since it's entirely non-binding. Yeah. But, you know, but they, they have the same problem. They have the exact same problem I just talked about with the Republicans. Yeah, we don't have to do this. And we really don't want to do this. No, we don't want to do this. But we kind of, but we will all get knocked out of office Who if we do. Cares? This is, it's such a personal versus national issue. All of these people need to think about what's best for well, the no, nation. Well, no, okay. Well, here's the thing. Nobody paints themselves as the villain. Of course not. So when they say, look. You know, when, when the Republicans say, oh, we, we can't afford to move against Trump, because then that means we'll be out, and we can't afford to let that happen, not because we, we personally think we're evil, mustache-twirling villains, and the same this is true for the conservatives in uh, England, we have to stay in office. It is, it's not about us, it's about the country, because if the left gets in, then the whole thing falls apart. Because they don't understand how to run a country. We're the only thing, uh, this is the country's only chance, is us instituting our conservative values and ideals on a nationwide experiment. So we have to stay in. This is our only shot. 
And so we can't. I mean, so we can't go against Trump. We can't go against Brexit, even though in both cases they know they should because they know the stupid minority. Unfortunately, I apologize for anybody who voted for Trump or Trump or, or Brexit. I apologize for calling you stupid. But regardless of um, you know their command of the overall sociopolitical impacts of their decisions, one thing is true about them. They vote. Conservatives vote. Mm-hmm. Conservatives know how to vote. Conservatives are not a bunch of oh, cynical, why should I even bothers? I mean, they have that too, but man, the left owns that. The left is all about, ah, uh, you know, the whole system is rigged. I'm not even going to bother. Hey, I wonder how the system got rigged because you didn't bother. So anyway, sorry, that's totally as an aside. Uh, but yeah, the, the conservatives who are now in power, they feel, okay, well, we got to dance with the guy who brought us because we can't afford to get knocked out of office because then next thing you know, it'll be abortions for everybody. And... And, and God knows what all. So, yeah, that's... And it's a shame. It's a shame. You say it's uh, particularly for young people. You know what? Um, it's great that there was a higher than average turnout for young people in the Brexit vote. But as I recall, last time I looked at the stats, it was still... Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the young people had an unprecedentedly high turnout of like 68%. Yeah, too bad. You know what? The old people who voted Brexit, they had an unexpectedly high turnout, too, of like 78 or 80%. So you still lose young people. You didn't have to let this happen. Those 35 or 38 percenters, whatever it was, you could have voted, too. You could have stopped this, and you didn't. It was a ridiculous referendum, though. There There was no actual facts. It was all based on emotion and... Propaganda. Yeah. So what is there to vote on there? I mean, vote I, remain. That's what you vote on. Uh, fine, but I've I spoke to several people who yes. did vote to remain, and their reasons were entirely personal. Mm-hmm. There was nothing to do with national or thinking ahead for anybody else in the country or anything. And one person had a foreign wife and was having a hassle getting her immigration papers sorted. And he figured, well, if we have a problem, and I'm British and she's not, but whatever, I'm British and I'm having a problem, then every other immigrant should have equal or greater to the amount of problems that I'm having. And that's why he voted to leave. Oh, you you said earlier that they voted to stay, but you meant to say they voted to leave. Sorry, yeah, voted to, to leave. Yeah. And for so that is one one person's story of why he voted to leave, mm-hmm. which has absolutely nothing to do with anything that the actual referendum was about. Yes, yes. That's, I mean, people were only just that's making statements. Stupid. They were just making statement votes. Yeah. They weren't actually voting on the actual. Well, no. Well, okay. Here's the deal, though. What was going to happen? Good for them because they voted. Whether they were making a stupid statement or not, at least they got off their ass and voted. Mm-hmm. I, you know. As, as unhappy as I am about Trump, as unhappy as I am about Brexit, I have no ill will towards anybody who voted in favor of those things. I have ill, much ill will for the vast majority of people because both of them, if everybody had voted, neither of those would have passed. Yeah. I have nothing but disdain for the cynical, cross your arms, I can't even be bothered to vote. It doesn't matter. Both sides are just as bad as each other. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, uh, that, oh, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
Um, so yes, it's a tragedy for the young people, especially the ones who couldn't be bothered to vote, because if they had, it wouldn't have happened. So, uh, it's, I'm sorry. I apologize. Sorry, folks. Got a little personal. Blame Steve. Steve and Monica's <laughs> fault. Alrighty. Next question from Steve. What was the first record that you and Jen ever bought? Now, I don't know if that means that we bought together or that what's the first record I bought and the first record you bought. Steve would like to point out his first record was Two Little Boys by Rolf Harris in 1969. Um, oh, I think if I have to think back, you know, you remember those? I must mean house? not. What was the first one that you and I bought together? Well, I don't know. I, but, I, oh, no, I'm curious about this because I remember back in the uh, 90s yeah we when we when we got together and we bought our first C, or our first dv or cd player because you were so we have to get a cd player I because you had spent summer at somebody's house and they had a cd player and you played the music really loud and you loved it so you came back and we have to get a cd player it's absolutely essential i remember this very clearly well that must have been when i lived with bird for that summer. yeah yes and and it was a transformative experience for you and we had to get a cd because people didn't have cd players back then rich people had cd players this is like the late 80s i remember we got one with five characters exactly yeah so we we i mean that was a big splurge we got that stereo with the with the rotating five cds and then we needed cds so we signed up for the columbia house the columbia house thing thing, yeah and i'm pretty sure i don't remember all the ones we got because you know you get a whole bunch for free and then you're stuck for life because uh, they make <laughs> it hard to get out of course these things don't even exist anymore i bet but anyway i remember one of the cds was in excess kick oh yeah that was a good one we did get that one so i'm going to say that was the first album we ever got together it wasn't an album it was a cd but anyway yeah, so i'm sure that's not what steve is asking what was your first album honey well i'm going to say i'm going to go back to the columbia house because i'm sure i did that as a as a youngster mm-hmm. and i think at the time i was into the go-go so i i I'm sure it was Go-Go's Vacation okay. or something. All right. Okay. Um, Go-Go's Vacation. You don't remember what your first I remember. Well, see, okay, he asked which one we ever bought. Because I remember some very hugely important albums to me as a very young child. Because as a really young kid in the 70s, I had one of those little portable turntables mm. it was made of plastic yeah. and it was like a clamshell thing and you open it up and you could put the little 45 on there yeah. um or you could take the thing off and then you could put a full size yeah and just plug it into a wall and it had a really tinny speaker i had one of those and i played that to death but i didn't buy those so i guess those don't count but i feel like um you know i had um i was really into the chipmunks <laughs> because well here's the Why thing would you be My, the because because my dad Listen to country and western. Yeah. So the only thing we listened to was country and western. The st- the radio, and this was back in the seventies. The radio was always on, and I thought I liked country and western, but I really like. But I had these Chipmunk albums, and you know, because it was Chipmunks doing covers of of rock and roll songs from the fifties and the sixties, and I really liked those. And the thing is, I didn't realize because I just thought, oh, I like the Chipmunks, but no, I like rock music, <laughs> and I just don't have any of it in my day to life. The only <laughs> rock music I have is um, the Chipmunks singing Downtown. You know, singing blues and Motown covers. <laughs> uh, and so I listened to that to death because, you know, this was the 70s, but I didn't know about Zeppelin or Elton John or any of all the amazing st- or any of the stuff that's happening. So I listened to those Beatles or those, uh, those Chipmunk covers to death. I, I played those just nonstop. And then the other one I had was because one year we went to, you know, we went to Disneyland and I brought back the Sounds of Disneyland album, 
and I played that over and over again. Oh, wait, no, 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 I didn't. That was my first cassette tape I ever had because I had a little portable cassette tape player. And um, I remember laying at night listening to it over and over again after everybody had gone to sleep and I could just put the headphones on and listen to it. And I didn't listen to any of it. You know, it had the Bears, Jamboree, and all the stuff. But all I listened to over and over, I would just rewind and listen to it again and again, was the Electric Light Street Orchestra. And I can still hear that music in my head. Um, So, because again, all I was hearing in my regular musical um, was... Country and Western, you know, Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn and the Oak Ridge Boys and stuff like that. But I had this little glimpse of another world, another kind of music through the Chipmunks and through the Electric Light Orchestra. Not ELO, but um, the, it was so I listened to those a lot. But I think the first album I literally bought was a Beatles album um, at a used record store in downtown Bremerton. Because I, I somehow I discovered the Beatles independent of that. And I just went down and I bought a whole bunch of them. And they were all incredibly scratchy and they sounded terrible because they were all used. Mm-hmm. But I recorded them all to tape <laughs> and I just listened to those tapes on repeat pretty much for four years throughout without high school. And for the first three years, I mean, when I was just quiet and shy and withdrawn, I just walked around with headphones all the time, didn't talk to anybody, didn't hear anybody, just listened to those over and over again. So it would have been Beatles. I, I couldn't tell you which one. I want to say it was Rubber Soul. It was probably Rubber Soul, but I'm not sure about that. Wow. I've just... Uh... Uh-oh, what did you just look up? <laughs> is it... This is some chipmunks, obviously, yep. but this is... Funky some... Town. That's as loud as my computer will go. Yep. Yep. They, they can hear it, but... No, I, I've never heard chipmunks do Funky Town. Oh, I thought you said you listened to them do Funky Town. No, 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 no. I said downtown. Downtown. Where all the lights are bright. Downtown. Waiting for you tonight. Downtown. We are going to be all right now. Downtown. <laughs> You've got Daisy's attention. Downtown. When you are lonely, life is... You can always go. It's okay, Daisy. <laughs> Daisy is very interested in high-pitched noises. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, not Funky Town. Although I'm sure I would have loved that too. But no, I had, it was a particular album and it had Downtown and and a bunch of songs of that era on it. Okay. I'll have to listen to this later because I think I've listened to very little or no Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, no, it was a big deal. Alvin! Oh, Dave. Uh, Let's see. And finally from Steve. uh, Do you still have vinyl record collection in the attic in Guilford with the games? Maybe? Uh, Steve, you're really showing your age. No, sorry. What was... Yeah, I don't think I... I, uh, I owned... I mean, the last albums I owned were those Beatle ones I bought in high school. I have no idea where they went. I'm sure they got thrown away after I made tapes of them. Or I wouldn't be surprised if I took them back down and sold them back to the used store at a loss. <laughs> well, That's probably what I did after I made copies of yeah, them. Yeah, you, you paid a, a rental fee. Yeah, probably. Um, what was the last album you owned, Honey Pie? Actual vinyl. What was the last time you even listened to something on vinyl? A long time ago. I mean, Dad had eight-track tapes mm-hmm. um, and and albums, so it probably would have been sometime before I turned eighteen because we would have listened to something yeah. at some point on on the sound system they had in their house. Yep. Yeah, neither Jen nor I are big audiophiles, to be honest. Mm. I mean, we're not hugely into music. I mean, you know, we like it. We enjoy it, but, music, but we're... Yeah, but yeah, yeah, we're, we're casual. We're, 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 
yeah, we don't we don't really have a lot to say about music. Although we obviously just said a lot about, but <laughs> we don't have a lot of substance to say. We <laughs> yeah. just have personal recollections. Um, funky town. <laughs> All righty. Um, moving on. Mark wonders. Let's see. Oh, oh yes, the Brink board game, which I guess actually that wasn't really a board game. That was a personal question. Oh, by the way, um, I was thinking about that. And I should say. Uh, just in case everybody read between the lines, uh, you know, because obviously I drew parallels to the refugee crisis, the game would have absolutely no bearing on the real world because, of course, Brink, it was this weird, funky thing where there was a colony that supported 5,000 and had to support 50, so it was overpopulation. I do not believe the refugee crisis is an overpopulation issue. I just want to state that for the record. I so applaud um, you know, the, free le- the leader of the free world, Germany, for opening their doors because they realize there are enough resources, there is enough land, there is enough prosperity for everyone, and you don't have to shut people out. I didn't want to imply in any way that I think anything otherwise when I was talking about Brink the board game because that was a special weird science fiction thing. Anyway, though, um, back to Mark has questions. What... Oh, oh no, he had the what personal question are you amazed nobody's ever asked? Don't want to try it? Don't want to tackle that? No. All right, you don't have some deep thing you've just been wanting to get off your chest in this forum, and you're just waiting for somebody to ask? No, I think I've shared enough of my deep interpersonal stuff on <laughs> you the, think? the fighting one. So, okay, particularly this time? All righty. Uh, Alex, let's see here. Um... Right. After hearing you sing um, the uh, Timon and Pumbaa song, Timon and Pumbaa song from <laughs> Lion King, yep. what are yours and Jen's three favorite movies? And separate to that, three favorite Pixar movies. Wow. It's kind of cheating because it's all the same, but we'll, I'll allow it. Three favorite, all right, well, Jen needs to think about it. All right. I, favorite Pixar, I easy. Pixar movies, Pixar films uh, so okay jen's got to look, look at a list of them All right easy well jen's looking and thinking about it a little bit for me easy uh is up up oh. is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah. it's easily the best pixar movie number two. Oh man you gonna go with toy story um actually the original toy story is still my favorite and i know that's everybody says toy story 2 is the best but i still do like toy story better but i don't know if toy story makes top three um, in all honesty, okay. I just knew Up was the number one. Let's let's see Pixar films. Let's look at the list. Number two. Um, What's Bernie? Is that part of Wall-E? Uh, it was. It's a, one of their little shorts. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I do think Ooh. I think Wall-E probably does have to make the top three. Wall-E, it was really great. does. Yeah. Um, particularly because. It shows our perfect future of post-scarcity uh. and how awesome it is. <laughs> Even though for some reason it tries to paint it as a dystopic nightmare future, when in fact it's absolutely awesome. And I don't know what that little robot was doing coming along and ruining everything. Little robot. But still, it's just an amazing movie. So I'd probably go with Wally for number two. And for number three, Cars 2. No. Um, number I'm going to go with Brave because I really liked um, Moira... Merida. Yeah? Yeah. Really? Well, Wait, no, 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 no. Brave is about the red-haired girl Yeah. who, because of a curse, turns into a bear? No, her mom does. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I didn't know that made that much of an impact on you. Okay, that's cool. That's great. Yeah, well, strong female character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Who isn't just sitting around waiting for some guy to come rescue yep. her? Oh, sure, 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 yeah. But I think a lot of people were disappointed because they wanted more of that. You know, and it, that, that was how it was presented. The trailer was mm. just her um, doing the archery thing. Yeah. But then it, it turned into more, you know, it was still a you know, empowering thing. But I think people want more of her standing up instead of going on a hero's journey. Um, yeah. Hmm. Let's see here. Uh, I probably will go with Toy Story as my number three for Pixar's. And so you've got... So, and then we need the three best of all time. Well, no, no, no. Your, well, your three favorite Pixar movies. You just no, said... No, I just did that. Oh, I did. Brave. Up, definitely. Up. And I'm going to go with Wally as well. I think that was a wonderful film. And Brave. Okay. Although I don't really think of Brave being as a Pixar. I think as a Disney, but... Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, like, well, the, the, the lines are blurred. So... Um, now do a, a Google search for Disney animated films, and oh, you'll get that same kind of list. Oh, is, is Disney flicks? I well, he, he wanted to know time. our three favorite Disneys and our three favorite Pixar's. Oh, goody, 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 goody. <laughs> okay, that narrows things down a lot. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm not even looking at the list. I mean, well, the first question is, are you just going to go with, like, you know, the modern classics, the ones when we were in our 20s when they were just on this unstoppable wave of hand animated before they went into CGI. I'm not. I'm not an old school filmer person, so that cuts all those out for no, me. No, no, I'm not. I'm, not I'm, I'm talking about. I'm talking about Little Mermaid, Lion King. Yeah, I know. I'm just Aladdin. saying everything prior to that, yeah. like Snow White. Except Jungle Book does have a special place in my heart. Well, you're going to make it one of your top three. Probably. All right. So the original the Jungle Book. Let me get the list. Um. Oh, here's here it is on Wikipedia by um, decade. There you go. I really like, not looking at the list, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame was really amazing. I really loved it. I want to say Frozen, but it's mostly just the song I really love. I mean, I love Frozen. It's a great movie, but it's mostly the song. So I can't give it just for the song. Um, But yeah, Hunchback, there's no doubt. It definitely makes the list. And, oh, man, this is tough. Three. Three. (laughs) I feel like we should pause so we can actually look at this. There's a, they they do hundreds of per decade. There's hundreds of them. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna say Mulan, Hunchback, and I want to say Tarzan because I really like Tarzan. Mm. I don't really remember anything about Tarzan. Remember he surfed on the trees. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Definitely not Tarzan. Hey, Toy Story's here under. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it, it's a line. There's, they're the same thing. Yeah. Kind of. Um, you know. Oh, I'm. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say Who Framed Roger Rabbit. No, 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 no. That's the, but that's not a Disney film. It, they they got to use Disney characters, but it's not a Disney film. Gosh darn it. All righty. Um. Not oh, a heck with it, Moana. It was great. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Um, no. Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean apparently was a... Well, it's a live-action film. So that's why you had to do a search for animated. Oh. Um, oh, okay. I'm just going to go with, with very similar. Uh, I'm going to go with Jungle Book because that was a very important mm-hmm. film in my life. And I, I should probably say Little Mermaid because that was a very important film in my life, too. However, I don't know. Um, I, definitely Milan. Oh, 
tough questions, Alex. It is. You're having to make me think about everyone. And... Oh, dear. Well, Jen thinks about it a little bit more. I'll fill some time by going to the next one from David. You've stated a number of times you have no intention of becoming vegetarians. Uh, and yet your tale of finishing chicken flocks is very enlightening for a city slicker like me. Yet you are so loving towards your pet and emotionally attached to them, even after they are gone. I was wondering how you justify being okay to harm some animals while protecting others. I think it's an interesting topic to explore. I'm in the same camp as you guys, and I'm trying to work it all out. Shouldn't we all be vegetarians? That's a deep one, too. So, yeah. Quick, honey, come up with another Disney film. Uh, just take the cop out and say Aladdin. No, Jasmine was... And just take the cop out and say Lion King. It's the it's the easy out. No, I mean if I'll just go with Little Mermaid, just because again it was a very for, uh, a lovely time in my life, and mm-hmm. I have very. I mean, we just met and all that, and so yeah. I mean, it's not maybe so the best. So that's Mulan, Little Mermaid, and the Jungle Book. Yeah. All right, an eclectic selection. Yeah, and not not reflecting on the films themselves, more where for points in my life that I'm that makes me feel good about. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, honey pie, shouldn't we all be vegetarians? Yeah, we probably should. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you got to say? I can't argue it. I mean, I, I just can't argue it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, uh, it is very hard to justify. Um, I mean, I would like to say we go the extra mile and you know pay a premium to only get meat that was not factory farmed. Uh, excuse me. Uh, and, you know, quite frankly, the only reason I think we don't, we would happily pay a premium and we would only buy beef and, and chicken and whatnot that was not factory farm, you know, that was grown under more humane uh, circumstances if they made it easy to do it. I mean, there, uh, you know, I mean, In Malta, if, 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 that, if that was for sale on the shelves right next to the factory produced stuff. In the same way that free range eggs now are available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- Farmed eggs. Although free range eggs are all are a bit of a misnomer. That's that you know, that's not great. Well I think every country it's, at least they get to range. walk around in whatever it is they're they're yeah. two by two. No, free range means they're not stuck in a cage. You're right, yeah, but but it doesn't mean they're not just stuck in a big gigantic building. Yep, that's true. Yeah, With exactly. thousands of other chickens. Exactly. So it's better at least they do get to walk and they don't spend their entire lives with their feet getting fused to the cage because they never move, um, which is truly horrible. And yeah. And so, I mean, that's a step up, but honestly, I mean, gosh, it seems like there's a great business opportunity for, you know, I mean, we would pay a big premium for, if it was right there on the shelves, right next to the normal stuff, uh, we'd pay I don't know. We, I, we'd pay double, right? Well, without, without blinking an eye. The funny thing is, um, we've just now in Malta, there's a company that's bringing in um, those kinds of foods for dogs. Uh. So, yeah. They're, um, and I, before I left, I went and picked up, what was it, about 20 kilos of bones and mm-hmm. stuff for dog food. Um, because this has now become easily accessible to me. Mm-hmm. So... It's just right now. I think if we were in the UK, we would be able to um, hook well, up with local Well, that's the thing. Yeah, in the states of the stuff. UK, it's much easier. Yeah, it's just that. We're um, in I mean, Malta. I mean, if, if we need, if we lived in the states right now, I wouldn't be surprised if we would get all of our meat through the mail because I know there are those. There, there are places that will mail you their, you know, their farm reared, yeah. I, I, idyllic 
Of course, it's not perfect because they're still killed. They're still murdered. I get that. But do you know what? I am, um, all I want them is just to be treated humanely and dispatched humanely. That's what we do for our chickens. And I am 100% comfortable with that. And I, you know, uh, yes, all creatures deserve to, uh, to live. I get that. I mean, I'm a real weirdo. I won't kill bugs. I, I won't squash, squash ants or anything like that because I just feel terrible doing it. I, I, I'm the one who tries to catch them on a tissue and let them out so they yeah. can go away. I'm uh, actually, I've got it. My secret power is um, apparently flies are able to tell when I've opened a door for them and they fly outside. <laughs> I feel like there is, is sort power. of a weird special power there because that they do. I open power. the door and then they just buzz right on out. Good job, flies. Yeah. Yes, I'd much rather do that than swat a fly. Um, but... I don't know. I mean, I guess one way I can make peace with it myself is the fact that, you know, whether we buy it or not, it's going to go on. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the terrible, crappy, useless logic. But I'll, you know, I, I'm not a perfect person. And I really like meat. <laughs> and, uh, and quite frankly, it's the other thing, too, and I do firmly believe this, it is the healthy option. It is much healthier. You will have a much healthier lifestyle if you eat what your body is evolved to eat. We are not evolved to be vegetarians. We are not evolved to get all of our nutrition that way. And it is a compromised health. It compromises your health to live that way. Unless you're one of those lucky people who has a mutation in your genes that makes it okay. And those are the people who say, oh, everybody should just eat like me. Like, we don't all have your genes. Um, You know, some people can eat whatever they want and never gain an ounce because they've got certain genetic mutations that most of us don't have. And they think everybody should just be like them. But anyway, um, it is healthier for me. I know this, uh, um, you know, because I have tried the different ways and and I listen to my body. My body is in a healthier, better place if I eat a paleo diet. So that's what I'm going to eat. And it sucks that they're, you know... I say, well, I, I want an easy way to do it. And yeah, I want an easy way to do it. I assume there probably is a way we could get humanely treated, humane meat here in Malta, but I have no idea how to do it. We'd probably have to go and find some local farmer and say, hey, um, you know, every two months when you slaughter a cow, could you call us? Because we'd like to buy a year's worth of meat at that point and, you know, or whatever. Yeah. We'd probably have to do something crazy like that. And as much as I care about it, I don't care enough to take that extra step. If we lived in the states, you better believe yeah, we. I mean, because I've seen them. There's a you know the farms that we'll we'll, we'll ship our stuff. In, you know, it's it's vacuum sealed. We'll ship it anywhere yeah. in America, and that's how we get all our stuff. Well, let alone there's probably a local farmer somewhere, or or like my parents used to buy 4-H um, animals. Yeah, that had been raised by you know these eighth graders or whatever, mm-hmm. and yeah. So yeah, if we lived in the states, we would do that. If we lived in the UK, it'd probably be a lot easier. But in Malta. Uh, everything, everything is harder. Everything you want to do, multiply its difficulty rating by ten. <laughs> um, the easiest thing to do in Malta is nothing, which is why it suits me. Um, which we talked about earlier in my CV card. Yes, but also I do want to say yes, honey pie. Um, that I have changed our protein around a lot. We get most of our protein these days from eggs from our chickens. That's a good point. And I feed those chickens. That's a very good point. The best food I can. I can get on this island, plus um, weeds when it's not in drought conditions, mm-hmm. which it is for four months of the year. Yeah. Um, but I feed them cabbage and um, other like kitchen trimming stuff like that. So um, they get a nice varied diet, and mm-hmm. that is 
what most of our protein is now. It's very rare for us to have a roast or I mean, we don't have steak, but maybe that's a really good a point. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, we do put meat. We we all, we have eggs in a wide variety of ways, and there's always meat and vegetables in those eggs. And you're right; the lion's share of the food we eat is those eggs. Yep, the protein. Yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, like we would put bacon or sausage or whatever. Yeah, but, but that's I mean, a small but that's portion of that's meal. what fifteen percent of every meal is you know something like that. Yeah, maybe because it's a sprinkling 10%. of that. That's just kind of flavor to the eggs. Exactly. That's interesting. I get, that's how we justify it. <laughs> Hooray! I didn't realize I'd done that, but yeah, we just No, you're right. I did, it didn't I even occur to me. a lot of meat anymore. Wow, that's really true. I mean, because we almost never eat out. Yep. And actually, whenever we eat out, we normally get pasta because we never have pasta, so it's a or special occasion. Yeah. I get seafood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we always get pasta. Wow, yeah, we very rarely have... I can't think of the last time I've had a steak now that I think about it. It's probably when we were at a restaurant somewhere. Jeez, that's... Wow. Well, there you go. So uh, that's something to, mo- uh, to to chew on. Wink. You have anything else to add on that, honey pie? Uh, no, but I do like knowing what my chickens are eating. And so I feel like I'm eating better because I make sure they eat good. Yep, there you go. Yep, we've got 12 little um, uh, vegetable to meat or you know, vegetable to protein machines out there. Yep. Although we're, only half of them are working right now because they're too hot and molting. Yep, exactly. But they're, they're still keeping us fed. Yep. Good girls. All righty. Um, when you... Oh. Uh, Adam wonders, what's a typical day like? And what time do we wake up? Oh, I know we've answered this before, but we'll do it again. Um, generally, when I'm not just back from traveling, I'm usually <laughs> up at about 6.30 or 7. I usually get up at 8 or 8.30. Yep. Um, I have, in the past, gotten into the habit of taking the dogs for a walk first thing. I really enjoyed that because it's cooler in the morning. Uh, so usually I'll do that, come back and start cooking breakfast, which is eggs and a little bit of bacon usually and some vegetables. Uh, and then he's up, you know, about that time. We have breakfast at 8, 8.30-ish, 9, something like that. Um, if I get stuck in Facebook or online, that can waste the rest of the morning, so I try not to do that. Um, I generally do some lamp working or other business-oriented stuff like packing up orders or, um, you know, Whatever, like gluing. well, the lion's share of our day is yeah. basically spent on one of or both of our jobs. Yeah, you're uh, depending on how much stuff you do in your job of either making stuff or packaging, shipping stuff. If you're not doing that, you're either playing games with me yep. or occasionally filming games with me. Yep. And if you're not playing games with me, I'm filming games that we have previously played. Yep. Or reading manuals. Or reading manuals, getting ready for the next game to play, or maintaining any of the geek lists I do online, or um, you know, or, you know, answering questions or whatnot. So the majority of our actual day is spent working um, in our two weird jobs. <laughs> yep. So, but I mean, but there's no there's no average. It, yeah. It's different every single day. It's going to be some combination uh, for both of us of those things. I mean, sometimes I get pulled in on your stuff because I'll take your stuff to ship to the post office if you don't have time to do it or whatever it might be. Yep. Yeah. So after a day's work. Uh, well, and then there's just normal daily maintenance stuff like there's some cleaning that has to be done or grocery shopping or whatever that all gets fit in as well. Um, and then usually when it gets close to dark and cools down again, I'll take the dogs for another walk. <laughs> Uh, and usually Duck will join me on that. Yep. Um, Unless my back is killing me from having sat at the table all day. That's true. Yeah, yeah my back gets really sore really fast. Uh, but anyway. Uh, and then then I uh, almost always cook dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my More eggs. Pot. 
Oh, I love my crock pot too, because um, I can make soups with that. I guess that's that. That would be a way we use meat in the when we're uh, in winter time, because yep. I'll get like stew cubes mm-hmm. of pork or beef, um, and vegetables and lentils. I love lentils. Yum. Um, so yeah, so we have dinner, and then usually we have an hour or two of television every night where we're watching interesting shows. And then I'll usually read for an hour before I go to sleep, and he'll continue watching shows. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so Jen goes to sleep around 11. I generally come to bed around 1, right. give or take. Uh, yeah, I, didn't, I, I head towards bed around 10 and yeah. read for an hour. Yep. There you go, an average day. Woo. Seven days a week. Yeah, it's really interesting. We still do go with rhythms of weekend or week, weekday, though, because... As Duck's fond of saying, is like, well, it's the weekend. I guess we can watch a movie now. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, we just don't watch movies during the week. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is my and Jen's favorite childhood memories? Oh. Oh, I have loads of them. How do you say which one's your favorite? First one that comes to mind. Um, well, since we were just talking about Jungle Book, I will say the time my dad took me to see Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. We, well, that we made been, a whole night out of it. If I had to guess, I would have said that would probably be your favorite. Yeah, I mean, it's right top of the top of the memory. Yeah. Yep. Went and saw the flick, had dinner, you know, enjoyed chatting afterwards about the thing. He bought uh, the album, which had a little book that went with the album. So that was something that I could always thumb through and listen to the music again and mm-hmm. kept it really uh, lovely, fresh, wonderful memory. All right. Um, I'm a child of the 70s. Before we moved on the boat, I lived in Knight's Landing, California. And being a child of the 70s, that was a time when kids were allowed to basically just live their own life. Yeah. Um, and didn't have to be ferried around, didn't have to be looked over. Um, and so my favorite childhood memories are prior to having lived on the boat, which has enough childhood memories as well, was um, just basically riding my bike going out on the levee um, and just going out and finding stuff to do with me, my brother, my best friend at the time, Warren King. I wonder what happened to him. Um, you you know, and some other friends, Clem, Clemente. Uh, and just, you know, hanging out, being kids, uh, growing up in the 70s, uh, being totally 100% responsible for ourselves. Yep. Um, I don't think I appreciated it at the time, but, I mean, that was so empowering, you know. Yeah, well, we were just trying to just go out and do stuff and be home by dinner. Yeah, yep. And nobody worried about us. Yeah, and I'm going to go over to you know my friend's house and the you know at nine o'clock at night. Yeah, that's fine, okay, you know, or whatever. Uh, just having that kind of freedom to just do whatever we wanted—that was amazing. I feel bad the kids can't have that anymore. Um, you know, even though statistically there's no rise in crime or anything, and there's no reason for parents to be overprotective, et cetera, et cetera, blah blah blah. But say la vie, it's the world we live in now, and uh, so. I I just riding my bike and my skateboard. I had a skateboard too. I really loved that skateboard. Uh, I had roller skates. Uh, I did not have roller skates. I had a skateboard. It was back in the seventies when skateboards were skinny and made of metal. Um, I had the kind of um, roller. It was a bonsai board. I remember it was a bonsai board. That's how, I'm sorry. Go on here. I had blue tennis shoes um, that had the wheels on them. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. They were they were roller. Shoes. Shoes, yeah. yeah I, don't I know. must have had some skates. Not I don't remember, but I must retracted. have. They just, they were actually full-time roller shoes. Oh, no, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I had, 
I guess I had skates, the ones that kind of clamped around your shoes. I don't think I've used them that much. But those metal kind that clamped yeah, around your exactly. shoes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, those were horrible, noisy yes. things. That's the best we had. That's what we had, and we liked it. And then after I moved on the boat, I have really fond memories of swimming a lot. Um, I am very comfortable in the water. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've spent years of my life swimming for hours a day, so I really enjoyed doing that too. Um, so those aren't like specific memories, like Jen's going to see the movie with her dad. Specific memory. The first thing that pops in my head, because Jen just said that, was seeing Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, I remember, what year did Flash Gordon come out? Because it was my birthday, and as a birthday present, we, um, I basically, I got to go myself. You went by yourself? Yeah. Oh, don't Daisy. knock over the camera. Daisy. <gasps> oh, Daisy. Uh, are we still plugged in? I have no idea. Daisy just kept walking around the cables. Nope, we're still recording. Okay. All right, Daisy. Come on, Daisy. Come on up here. You could have walked any number of other ways, Daisy. <laughs> she says, but this is kind of like a cave of cables. Over IMDb there. Flash Gordon. Um, 1980. So that meant I was 11 years old. Um, and uh, my brother and I, we got to go see Flash Gordon on my birthday, and my parents didn't come. I really liked that. Again, you know, kind of an independent thing. We, we, you know, they just gave us the money and dropped us off. We went and paid. Because I grew up in a town. I mean, going to the movies was something we didn't get to do by ourselves. Because it was the 19, 1980. Um, the only movies we got to see were on Sunday night on ABC. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the ABC Sunday night special. Yeah. Best ones were a Bond movie. Yay! And, you know, just w- kept watching the same movies year after year after year, the ones that kept coming on. Those are the only movies we saw. And it was a big deal when we all, the whole family went out to a movie. But I remember getting to go for the first time, just me and Ryan. They dropped us off. They went, I'm sure, were happy to get rid of us for a while. <laughs> and we saw the movie. So that was really cool. And, um, oh, man, a few years later, this was when we were living in Sacramento. It was after we got off the boat. Uh... This was really weird. I don't, I don't know what the circumstances were at all, but my mom and dad went away for like a week and just left me and Ryan in the house alone. And my uncle Jerry came by and visited once a day to check in on us and make sure we were doing okay. So this, I must have been 13 and Ryan must have been 11. Wow. So that was a really cool week. I loved that. That was amazing. So apparently all my ch- the ones that just popped <laughs> in my head were all these opportunities to just be wildly independent. So I guess that was a consistent theme. Uh, and I remember the main thing we did that week was Star Wars had been on CBS. It was the first time it had ever been broadcast. And we recorded it on our beta. Because we had a Betamax. But, and every once in a while we'd rent movies. But we couldn't afford to buy movies because it was too expensive to buy movies. Of course, they cost 100 bucks a pop. But we recorded Star Wars. And I, Robbie, watched Star Wars that week 20 times. So we just, it was just on a constant loop. <laughs> it was crazy. So that was crazy. Um, right. Anyway. Sorry. Got to get back. So I had to go look some stuff up. What are Jen's and my biggest phobias? Wow. Bugs for me. Yeah. Easily. I so freak out over bugs. Fortunately, he can deal with cockroaches because I do not like cockroaches. Oh, I freak out about those too. I am not even remotely comfortable with that. Okay, well, I just, too bad. Yeah, it's my manly duty, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, I can deal with all the other bugs, but he can deal with the cockroaches. Well, no, the only way I can deal with the cockroaches is if there's a vacuum cleaner nearby. <laughs> so I can keep them at absolute 
epic long length and suck them up and then open the bag outside so they can scutter away. Uh, let's see, my phobias. Let's see what Jen's thinking. The other big one, I've, I'm really got a big hang-ups about my eyes. Oh, yeah, touching um, Jen your eyes. used to wear contacts for yeah. years. It would just freak me out seeing her take them on and put them, or put them in or take them out. Um, you know, or TV shows where, you know, they show um, doing operations on eyes just makes me squirm. Probably the most squirmy moment in my entire life was when Jen got LASIK uh-huh. and I was there holding her hand and I had to wa- and I watched it right there in front of me as they literally just sliced her eyeball open. You could smell the burning smell. Ooh. And, uh, and she was just on Valium. She was like, oh, whatever, this is great. Oh, I'm having a good time. Oh, it's all blurry. What's happening? And meanwhile, I'm looking at her, and she's got the eye thing like clockwork orange with her eye all th- done open, and they put the little machine on her eye that, zip, that you know, cuts it open, yeah. and then they use like a cotton swab to peel it back, and then they... Put it back, closed, and smoothed it. Oh, my God. It was just insane. <laughs> and then they did it for the other eye. Ah! Uh, that was the best money we've ever spent, I think. I've yep. Really it's finally enjoyed. wearing off, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it's not wearing off. It's that my we're getting older. Yeah. I just had to order a pair of bifocals. Ay, Yes, but they'll be fantastic, I'm yep. sure. Uh, yeah, quality of life. So anyway, honey, yeah. I'm out of phobias because um, I'm not really bothered by heights or. Yeah, I don't. I have a. I, I don't want to drown. I think that would be the worst way to die. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, but a phobia is like you have an unrational fear of something, and and you don't have. I mean, you have a rational fear of drowning. Yeah. I have a rational fear of getting shot, but I don't have a phobia about yeah. getting shot. Um, like when we watch Cliffhanger or something. I mean, just even thinking about it, my palms get sweaty. So. Is that a phobia? I don't know. I mean, well, but I mean, we've gone up in great heights, and you haven't had a problem doing it. You've bungee jumped. Yeah. You've jumped out of a plane. Yeah. So, I and, 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 and I don't think you were racked with fear while you were doing it. No, I think just the normal adrenaline and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're just very prone to adrenaline from heights, but you're not afraid of it. I mean, what are common phobias? Darkness, you, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I've got phobia. it. What is I've it? I've got it. I have a very active imagination, and so I cannot watch things where, like, um, movies where, like, men are peering into windows on, at their victims, you know, that sort of a thing. Because as soon as that is in my brain, anytime I'm in a house by myself and the windows are lookable, inable, yeah, then that becomes my fear. Huh. So those kinds of movies I cannot watch because once it's in my head... It gives you an unreasonable fear. Yes, there you go. The likelihood that anybody's ever going to peer in my windows is so minuscule, but yet it's in my head and it's something now I have to be afraid of for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't have to. Or, be. Well, yeah, until, until, just, until you shake it. Well, it's just an unrational thing to be afraid of, right? So that's what a phobia is. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing. So I don't watch horror movies or any of those kind of suspenseful things. And it's specifically the fear of being watched or being spied on. I don't think it's that specifically, but that's just an example of something that does freak me out. Mm-hmm. Okay. All righty. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. All righty. That's it from Adam. Henrik says... So now everybody's going to come over and <laughs> just flatten Malta and just through the window. Begin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you have that phobia considering we live our entire lives with a gigantic window yeah. where hundreds of people walk well, by. You every... asked me why I always want the curtains shut at night. Wow. 
Okay, I, I didn't, I didn't, I had no appreciation of just how much it gets to you. I just thought you were a privacy freak. Well, I am also a privacy freak. Yeah, but no, but it goes beyond that into a, a deep abiding. You, well, you, what, but no, why aren't you bothered by it during the day? A lot more people walk by during the day than at yeah, night. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's that traditional movie thing where the guy is outside and it's dark, so you can't see him, mm-hmm. but he's like peering through the window okay. at, at his yeah. victim. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that sort of a feel. Okay. All right. There you go. I don't know if that has a name, but you would say, I mean, because you know it's not happening, and you also know, even if it was happening, it's not like you're in great danger. No, I mean, who's going to... But you, it still just gets under your skin and just makes you afraid. So I, that is your phobia. It might also just be a woman thing as sure, well. Sure, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, I'm sure that's not at all uncommon. Yeah. Huh. But it is something to hit you, yeah. Okay, fair enough. For me, bugs and eyeballs. <laughs> I'm yeah, because really... I'm not really grossed out about... I mean, like, I've done... Or, you know, not necessarily grossed out, but you're free. I mean, I, I'm, I'm genuinely afraid of big bugs. I mean, they just... Uh, that one time in Emdina when, a cockro- when I, a co- I caught a cockroach walking across my face. Oh, my God. I yeah. think you have... Been- you know, you weren't here. You hadn't gotten here yet. I was just on the couch downstairs watching TV, <laughs> and I felt something. And it's like, what's uh, kind of scratch? And I, it fell off. It was a cockroach. Oh, God! Oh and I, God. I freaked out. <laughs> I jumped... I jumped halfway up to the vaulted ceiling, <laughs> ran away, and was just shouting. Oh man, that really got me. Wow. I don't know how actors, when they have to do that, oh, you know, having bugs crawl all over them in a scene or something like well, that. They may not have that phobia. Yeah. Ooh. Or no, they're getting paid to do it. I mean, if I got paid enough to do it, I'd do it. But well, that, that's the whole uh, survivor thing, too. Yeah, right? that's why. I mean, that's the one thing I can't. I could. I could. Yeah, eating those bugs tired. or eating live bugs. Oh my gosh. All righty. Um, all right. Ugh. So let's see here. Here I we are. I could never live in New York City because of the cockroach issue. Oh, dear. It looks like I missed a couple of questions um, that should have gone in the game section, I think. Well, this isn't about games to me. So um, when are you going to start using your updated logo instead of your old one that shows up in your videos? Remember that one that that artist yeah, did that was really it's cool? It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, it, it's gorgeous. I, if I can think of some more good uses for it, I would. But I'm sticking with the original logo because it's, it's more readable. It shrinks down, and it's, it still pops. It's, uh, I, I, think, I think it is a more functional logo. Uh, it just works better in general. Uh, plus, it is... A recognizable brand. If I switched over to the new one, it's it, it looks like a really cute cartoon guy running. It um, and it, I don't think you know, without actually having the word Rado next to it, it would actually work. So no, I'm not planning on making an official change. Um, but it was really a lovely. But it's it's awesome. I yeah. absolutely love it. I absolutely adore it. And let's see his other non personal question, which I just totally missed before. Uh, but it might not be games. I know this has been suggested. You should really make a list of games to pick up public so people can sign. And time and place to meet in hand. Why don't you do this? I don't understand. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Okay, yeah, this isn't about games. It's about Essen. Uh, I was talking about this earlier again, about how Essen is so stressful um, and being a chore to pick up all the games. And it's been suggested before, why don't I just recruit fans to help me? Why don't you have them? Why don't you do this? Oh, yeah. So if somebody's already picking a copy of game... But the publishers want to meet you and say hi and shake hands and probably yep. shoot the 
shoot the. Yeah, that's a, that's that that is a problem. Um, you know, I don't know how how effective it's going to be just to have. Oh, hey, I'm a fan of Rado Runsu, and he asked me to come over and get this game for him. Yeah, that's a. Yeah, I don't think that's going to get much permissible. traction with most publishers, yeah. uh, especially since half the publishers won't get me review games anyway. So the ones who will, it's because they know me, so they want to they yeah. want to see me. Um, and plus, I mean, I just don't want to be a burden on people. Even if that wasn't an issue, I don't think I would ask. I'd, I'd just do it myself. It's my responsibility. It's my job. I'm just going to do it. Um, I, I feel I would feel weird. I you know, I I just appreciate. It. I know people be doing it in their heart and they heart and they want to help. They want to do favors for me because they like the show and they want to you know give back and all that. And, and that's all great. But I just I just I, I I don't think I'd feel comfortable asking people to do that. I'm going to pull right down to it. So, but anyway, a question for Jen. Mm. I like Jen's sayings, quotes, words of wisdoms that we've heard over the last few episodes. Apparently, honey, you've been uh, busting some words mad pearls. Nope. Um, could she make this a monthly thing where she shares wisdom or, or quote of the month? I suppose I could. I have a whole bunch of them on my Pinterest page that I've pinned. I could just Is that what he's, Henrik out? is talking about? All right. Well, I think that there, there was at least one time where they asked what our philosophy of life was. Uh huh. And so. Oh, and you had some quote from. Well, and so other. did you? Yeah. Do I? I don't remember. All right, honey pie. <laughs> whatever, whatever my philosophy of life is. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I don't know until somebody asks me, and then I think about it, and I come up with something. Yeah. Let me just check. I've got a board that has is called. She's just going to give up. Thoughts and grins. And these are ones you've marked as particularly meaningful. Yeah. So you're just going to bust out five, so you got the next five podcasts covered? Um, I could just say something. Are you there. going to remember to do this next month, or does Henrik have to send in another question? What's Jen's... Yeah, Henrik, we'll do it every month. If you ask every month, what is Jen's um, quote of the month? So, honey, what's your quote of this month? Okay, well, this is just one that popped up, so I will read it. And it says, I urge you to please... Notice when you are happy and exclaim or think or murmur at some point, if this isn't nice, I don't know what is. Just slow down, look around, be grateful. All right. There you go. Stop and smell the roses. Yep. Okie doke. And if this isn't nice, I don't know what is. Priscilla is back again, honey pie. Ah! Three questions. Have we watched Moana yet? Moana. 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 Um, the answer is yes. I'm trying to think of what it is. It must be a movie. Yes, it is. To Google. How far it goes. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Shiny. <laughs> uh, yes, we have. If so, what did you think of the main song? Does it make you ball like it makes me ball? No, it doesn't make me ball. But it's it was a good movie, and I really enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, it, is, it is a good song. I get what you're saying. I like it, too. It's making him cry right now? Yep. But it didn't at the time. When we saw it, I just thought, wow, this is really good, but it's not as good as Frozen, which did. And does every time. Uh, but I'm easy to get going. Well, wait a minute. Moana is apparently a Disney flick. I said it was one of my three. No, you didn't. You said Notre Dame. 
No, no, that's the problem. Is uh, it's a it, Moana is a Pixar flick. Pixar is owned by Disney, so arguably Mulan. it's both. Huh? Mulan. I said Mulan too. Moana, Mulan is a Disney Mulan film. Mulan and Hunchback. And Hunchback. Those are your three. Um, I said. Or did we have that weird cross? Oh, I don't thing? know. Okay. It's just time to put aside Pixar versus Disney. They're okay, all well, the same. I, I take it back. Then Little Mermaid is out, and Moana is definitely in. Okay. All right, there you go. I don't, I don't think this showed up on the Disney flicks. Uh, or maybe I didn't like I said, it's, it's just conf- it's confusing. Okay. I honestly, I, I used to pay attention. I don't pay attention anymore. They're all. I mean, yeah, there was a time when Pixar blew Disney out of the water in the early CG days, and and Disney was playing catch up. You know what? They've caught up. It's it's a meaningless distinction now to me. Pixar versus Disney. Um. Because right, so uh, Priscilla continues. She's getting married soon. Congratulations! Woo. Uh, and was wondering, how was our wedding? Did we have a big ceremony with a bajillion people, or was it small and intimate with only your most loved ones? Unfortunately, it was neither. It was trying to be the second, <laughs> but it didn't quite pull yeah. it off. Do we want to tell the whole story, or shall we just? I don't know. This is the personal section. All right. <clears throat> well, um, basically, we decided we were going to get married um, for lots of good reasons. And we decided that we wanted to get married on April 21st. And the year that we decided that we wanted to get married, um, <clears throat> I think it was like in November or December, something like that. So that year coming up, that would have been 2000, or 1991. So we must have decided in November of 90 or something. Um, so I'll just look it up on the calendar. Anyway, that was a Saturday or a Sunday. I can't remember. April 21st, that year of 91 was a Saturday or a Sunday. In the following year, in 92, it was a Wednesday or something like that. I can't remember. Somewhere in the, the middle of the week. So we called my parents, dad and aunts, and said, hey, we've decided to get hitched. And we'd really like, you know, for you to come to the wedding, of course. And it's going to be April 21st. The problem is, if we do it in five months, it's only five months away. And, but it'll be on a Saturday or Sunday, whichever it was. <clears throat> um, we thought about doing it next year, but the problem is it's on a Wednesday next year. And they were both teachers, so, of course, they were teaching in the middle of the week and stuff. Um, so we're like, well, so we're thinking about doing it in, two, in 1992 during the middle of the week. Is that, I mean, it's a year and a half away. Can you schedule some time off? And they misunderstood me somehow because I tend to way over explain stuff and also not give enough information somehow. (laughs) And they said, no, we can't make that. And I said, well, okay, fine. Then I guess we'll get married at our convenience, which is this year. And if you can't make that either, then fine. (laughs) And so they didn't come. Because of this confusion of me being giving too much information. Because what did they think you had asked? I, I, they thought I was asking for this year in the middle of the week. And since they were teachers, they couldn't get that time off or whatever. Okay. Whereas I was asking for the year ahead. In the a year of the ahead, week. we could get the time off in the middle of the week. But we can't get the time off in the middle of the week in just a few months. Right. And whatever. It might have even been in January. When, in fact, you were saying, no, we could do it on Saturday. But they, yeah. It It'd was have to be a this big year. miscommunication. Yeah. Because yeah, so they didn't have a calendar in front of them. And Uh-oh. hey, somebody is delivering something. I'll let Jen finish the story. Oh, or actually, just pause it. All right, we'll be right back. 
Okie dokie. <laughs> Honey. Back, back to our wedding story. Yes. Okay. So there was this epic breakdown in communication. Yeah. Your parents thought you were being incredibly unreasonable. Yep. You thought they were being incredibly unreasonable. Yeah. And it was all just this terrible... Crazy. Who's on first, what's on second, I don't know, is on third level misunderstanding. Yep. And so we went on ahead that year. Yep. We were more than willing to wait a year to get plenty of, but we said, oh, well, screw them then. Yep. We're just going to go ahead and do it. Yep. And I have to admit, I think I was blissfully unaware of any of this drama was happening whatsoever. I don't think I had any idea that this was going on. Because it was years later that I discovered there was this brewing animosity and undercurrent of... of uh, you know, Ajima going on. And it took you years before you guys finally talked it all out. Well, it was it was only, what, five or six years ago that yeah. we, we a chance thing came up in conversation and they went, what? You were asking us for the following year? Mm-hmm. And it was all, we all became clear about how big a misunderstanding, because, you know, for 15 years or whatever it had been at that time, we just thought, well, they were kind of being dicks and couldn't be bothered to rearrange their schedules a year ahead for us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'd gotten over We're it. We're giving you a year! Yeah. And they had thought the whole time probably, uh, who knows. But anyway, so we, we t- we've talked it out. It's all fine. We've all had a good laugh about it now. Yeah. And, um, but as a, result, as a result, my parents, my brother, her sister, and my Jen's mom. sister, and Jen's mom were there. Yep. Notably absent, Jen's father and stepmother. Yep. Who is like her best friend in the world. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, that, that was unfortunate. But um, I didn't ever, I've never wanted a big society wedding and all of that stuff. So basically, um, I had a dress I liked already. And I was delighted to get Mr. Ham over there into a tie. So he wore jeans and a white Oxford button-down shirt thing. And he had this leather tie that zipped up. Yep, the it back. was awesome. I miss that tie so much. It is, it's probably like in the storage at Becky's or something. <laughs> so, um, yep, so he looked awesome, and I think I looked pretty good. And the one thing I did care about was having some nice flowers. So I had arranged for some beautiful flowers, and we had a lovely ceremony at my mom's condo place, which had beautiful lakes and landscaping and all that, and random people. Your mom did not officiate. No, no, no. Her friend Sherry did. Yeah. Yeah. Because your mom couldn't. I mean, because she was she is a minister. I don't believe she was at the time. At the time, okay. So, yeah. so a friend of hers officiated. Yeah. Yep. And we had a lovely ceremony outside with the ducks and the geese quacking and. Let's see. So we were we 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 sat we stood out at the end of a dock in the le- you know basically surrounded by the lake effectively. Yep. And I remember. That, you know, there were some, you know, it, it, was, it was a condo association park kind of place. So there were condos overlooking the lake. And I remember we were walking back up the dock. There were people who had been watching on the balcony. Yeah. Um, because, like, oh, my, look, people are getting married right now. That's amazing. Look, come out and look. <laughs> um, and we were walking back. I think they were throwing rice at us, yeah. but they couldn't reach us. You know, they would throw it, but they were like, you know, 200 yards away or something like that or 100 feet away. And so the, the rice was just all kind of falling into the water very, very far away from us. Yeah. Um, which is bad for the ducks, isn't it? Aren't you oh. not supposed to give rice to ducks or something? I think it's bread, actually. Oh. But. And also, I remember. And I think it's dry rice. If they eat dry rice because it expands in their tummies. Mm-hmm. But the rice that fell in the water obviously would have rehydrated ah, by the time okay. they got around to eating it. And uh, I also remember the dock we walked out on was completely covered in... with bird crap. <laughs> I mean, it was just drowning it. So did I have to carry you? You did some Because carrying. you were wearing a dress and, and you didn't want to get it all brushing all the dirt bird crap. 
No, it wasn't that long, but it was heels on that oh, okay. deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I carried her there and back, or did you walk out and you said, I'm not walking back, You're, you have to carry me no, or, or something like exactly. that. Yeah. There was some carrying involved. Yes, because it was a rickety dock full of bird crap. Yeah, and, and I was wearing heels, and, you know, there's wood... You know, would hold. And Jen doesn't wear heels very often, no. so it's not like she's a pro. Never again do yeah, I yeah. wear heels. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was a lovely, lovely day. And then we went back to Mom's, and we had, a, you know, a cake and some food. and Signed the papers. Signed the papers, all that. Do you want to tell the Rose Corner story? If you want to. I had forgotten about it till just a second. No. Okay, so part of the ceremony, um, and again, we, we had we didn't very have vows about all this. Yeah, basically, the minister lady had said, are you religious? Are you not religious? You know, do you, you want to do the love, honor, obey thing? And I'm like, no, not doing that. Um, so she, she kind of customized our ceremony a little bit, but, but most of it was a surprise as it was <laughs> being read to us, which is kind of nice, I suppose. But the thing that I loved the most about our ceremony was that she said something like, you know, nothing is perfect and your married life, you're going to have ups and downs and you're going to have arguments and you're going to have, um, you know, times when you just don't agree with each other. And what I would like to suggest to you is you implement a rose corner in your home so that when you do have arguments, um, that when one, one of you or both of you decides that, you know, you want to reconcile and, and talk about it or whatever, all the other person needs to do is put a rose at the rose corner and that will be your symbol to recognize that, you know, you still love each other and that you want to work this out and that sort of thing. And I thought that is a really good idea because again, I've kind of come from this background of letting things simmer until I explode or whatever. Um, and I thought that is going to be really brilliant. So at the time I'd been working in a jewelry store and, um, so our rings actually were not back yet. Cause of course I had to, I'm an artist. I have to make everything and it has to be custom and everything. So, um, they hadn't come back yet. So we were using a silver band that I'd bought for duck and I had a, another little silver ring actually that my, Dad and Nance had bought for me um, when I was 13 or something. But it was just beautiful, simple, and everything. So those are the rings we got married with. So when um, I got our rings back from the goldsmith, I had had his engraved with Remember the Rose Corner. Because, uh, you know, obviously, I already knew that most of the problems were going to be with me. <laughs> so uh, I knew we were going to be using that Rose Corner a lot. And he didn't choose to have anything engraved on my ring. Um, and maybe that was because I was in control of the rings. Yeah. So there wouldn't have been any surprise. At I all. think my only responsibility for any of this was wear a tie and pick up the cake. I think Nicole, that's all was I that had it? to do. Uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty low-key. And low stress. I don't, yeah, good. So, um, so he has worn this ring now for 20, yes. what, six years? And it says, remember the rose corner in it. Yes, and it does. our anniversary, because I thought maybe he might at some point need a sort of memory device. <laughs> to remember the date. Um, yeah, which is very handy. Yeah, but I, we've never had a rose corner. He's, no. He's never put a rose down for me. I've never put a rose down for him. Well, the thing is, it's wildly impractical. <laughs> this is what I was thinking when we were out there. and Okay, yeah, this is pretty good. This is working out okay. Wait a minute, what's all this? Rose corner? Where am I going to go get a rose? There's not like a corner rose stand. There are roses available in every single market. And so, and, and then it's going it's to get dried out. It's going to wilt. It's going to get cleaned up. This is a royal pain. And we have to do this now for the rest of our lives? Who is this woman? <laughs> and why is she imposing a rose corner on us? Yeah, this is, this is what I'm thinking during the, uh, the vows. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a really good idea because <laughs> I know we are going to have some arguments and he's going to need to put some roses down. Yep. So... Anyway, but I, I thought that was a really great idea. Mm -hmm. For other people, apparently. 
It's yeah. not too late. No. We can find some corner here. <laughs> and then, yeah, it would be so easy to go get a rose whenever we need one. I mean, roses just... Honey pot. If we had a backyard and we grew roses, I, it would make sense. I would say the key corner, because we have keys, or the quarter <laughs> corner. If you put a quarter here... <laughs> Just be practical is all I'm saying. <laughs> you could have gotten a silk rose somewhere and then used that at any time it was needed. Mm. Yeah, that's recycling. That's pretty good. <laughs> right. So that was our wedding. Yep. I, 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 that was the story. Uh, let's see. And then Priscilla's not done, honey pie. Oh, gosh. What are some paleo breakfasts and snacks that you guys eat? Okay. Well, I buy you some salami stuff that you enjoy. Yep. Um, yeah, they're big salami sticks. We just keep them in the fridge. If I need a snack, I just cut a piece you do off. You not even cut it off. You go in there and you gnaw it off. No, I don't. That's what the knife is for. The, the, that wooden oh. handle knife is. So I, I cut off a piece and I chaw on that. That's because I've, I've told him I don't like it when he gnaws off a piece of the salami. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking it's about. Gross. I try gnawing that. That salami, you must be thinking of something else. You can't gnaw that salami <laughs> off. It's way too thick and dense. Okay. It can't be done. Because it's got that hard outer shell stuff. You have to cut through it. Okay. Okay, not that salami then. Some yeah, other you're salami. thinking of some other. You've been carrying this salami thing around for quite a while, oh, apparently. Yep, yep, yep. Everything's coming out now. <laughs> Remember the salami corner. <laughs> now that makes more sense. <laughs> the bacon corner. Yeah. If you ever have you a big fight, slice off a piece of salami <laughs> and go put it over there in the corner. <laughs> And that's how you. And then you get a divorce because <laughs> no one ever puts the salami down. <laughs> no, the beagles have it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh so so yeah, I, I chew, I snack on salami. Pistachios. It's not salami. It's salami esque. Yeah, it's a. If you're an American, Italian. you're thinking of a particular thing. It's not like that. It's this Italian tube of meat that is kind of like salami but super thick super dense and super tasty yeah it's the kind of stuff that if you could take on a picnic and it doesn't have to be refrigerated Mm, yeah 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 and you slice it off and and you do a cheese or something like that that's that kind of thing yep and and pistachios oh yeah we 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 oh man why are pistachios so expensive that's probably our most extravagant thing we yeah buy in our lives eight euros a bag and that's that's a small bag expensive way i can find it in malta but they come from California, so I, you know, no wonder they're so expensive. But yep, yep. they are lovely. Oh man, they're good. Um, right. Oh. And like the nice thing about pistachios versus any other type of nut is because there's a built-in gating mechanism yep. that slows you down. Yep. So you can't just take a whole handful and shove them in your Maw. nut hole. <laughs> um, instead, you have to break them open, and so it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we tend to snack on tuna fish. Share a can of tuna fish for... I wouldn't say it's a snack. That's a meal sometimes. Well, yeah, but if we share a can. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I suppose so. I like... Oh, what do I like? I like um, full-fat cottage cheese. Yeah. I like to snack on that. Um, I think that's about it. Peanut butter. The problem with peanut butter is Mr. Ham cannot... Oh, my God. It's addictive. Yeah. So once we open up... It's the devil's paste. We have a... We have a jar of peanut butter. It's gone within like two days. Yep. And I'm like, so I've got to eat it while I while it's available. No peanut butter. Yeah. Um, there's this particular type of dark chocolate that mm. Jen likes from Sainsbury's or where's it from? Waitrose. From Waitrose. Oh, it's, it's a very good. very dark chocolate. We usually have a bar of that broken into little pieces, so we'll snack on that every once in a while. Yep. And for breakfast, it's the same thing every day. Yeah. It's 
eggs and cheese and vegetables. And a little bit of bacon or sausage. Yep. Um, and with different, sometimes there'll be Thai spices, sometimes there'll be barbecue spices, sometimes there'll just be some garlic. Um, I try and keep it fresh with different spices. Yep. Yeah. But there's just nothing wrong with eggs and bacon. Yep. Never gets old. All righty. Final per- questioner, Kenny wonders, <laughs> walk, walking is one of Kenny's favorite and cheapest hobbies. Yeah. Do you and Jen like to go on walks and hikes? Do you know if there's a lot of trails around Malta and Gozo? I love to walk. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, and it I do not. That I have a couple of dogs. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't like to walk. We um, actually took up geocaching when it was exciting and new, as a way to give him a reason to walk. Yes. Walking serves no purpose. Geocaching gives it a purpose. Yeah. I think it's just nice to look around and see what's to be seen and enjoy being wherever I am. Yeah. But he has to have a podcast in one ear. Yes. That makes it tolerable. Yep. Um, Only one ear, so we can still carry on conversations. And I do. Yes, you do. I don't believe you feel slighted when we go for a walk. Nope, but I do have uh, to repeat the first sentence every time. (laughs) Because you'll be like, Oh yeah, because she doesn't say anything for a couple minutes, and then she says something like, Don't gotta switch brain! (laughs) I'm sorry, could you repeat that, honey? Okay, now I'm good. Yep. So I should just raise a flag or something when I'm about to say (laughs) something. Then you can pause your podcast, and then I can say the thing. Because it is irritating to have to repeat myself all the time. But anyway... I, I have many uses in my life for flags. <laughs> um, so there aren't necessarily trail trails like you would think of, like the Appalachian Trail or the B- Rails to Trails or anything like that. But there's loads of walking anywhere in Malta that you might want to go. So, yeah, that's not a problem. Actually, the Chamber of Commerce or something like that in, in Gozo has just provided walking um, suggestions around the island. And I would really like to go do that. Uh, I think I think I could uh, really enjoy that, but Mr. Ham would have to come pick me up from wherever I am. But we live on a teeny tiny. I, I, this island is like five miles by eight miles, so it wouldn't be that bad if he had to come get me yeah. at the end of my walk. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll come. It's normally. It's normally. J- Jen always insists on walking when I'm in the most pain. You think like, like I've, I've been got sitting a pain filming games all day. My back is killing me. Do we? Can't we just walk? At a time when I'm not in pain, maybe a little bit. No, all right. Because okay. I like to walk in the evenings. So, in the evening, the day is over. It is time for resting and the relaxing. Why can't we walk during the day because when there is the energy hot. and the going and the doing? If the sun is beating down and it's hot. Yeah, that's that's the fundamental problem. Jen is very temperature sensitive. I I shake it off. I I grew up in Central California. The heat doesn't bother me at all. I mean, it, it bothers me, but it's it's not an impediment. Whereas it just Jen will melt. Yeah. Jen, it'll it just shuts Jen down. Yeah. So I'm more than happy walking at high noon, and at high noon is when I have the absolute most energy yep. at any point in a 24 hour period. Um, and Jen always, no, let's walk at seven at night. When I'm like, I'm, I have one eye closed here. <laughs> it's dark. We're supposed to be in a cave asleep right now. Yeah. Let's go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have exactly complementary rhythms. Yeah. Our, uh, yeah. So, um, that's it, folks. Another podcast done and dusted in the bag. And uh, 
come back again in a few short weeks and we'll get back to our normal schedule. I assume some new questions will have come in and we'll talk about some games of interest and the recent top tens and all the rest of it. So that's it, folks. Thanks for listening. Have a very, very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hold on. Hold on. We were about to um, leave, but uh, um, as I was taking the headphones off and getting ready to transfer, Jen said, you know what? I just made my mom sound really bad, didn't I? That wasn't good because she was a great mom. She was a great mom. Um, yeah. And so Jen said, Can you start it back up. <laughs> Fire it up. We're not out yet. We're going to finish this up. I just want to put so, I'm a- sorry. What did you want to say, anybody? I just wanted to say... Uh, mom has since sorted out her anger issues and she is a much calmer um she's a very loving person she doesn't throw pots and pans anymore um we if there's ever any difficulties we just talk it out and everything's fine and um so i have learned that from her as well Mm. and i just you know i have some early childhood things but she was going through divorce and god knows what else was going on in her life so i don't know what that is i have no reason to judge it uh i've probably shouldn't say anything i'm ever sure being a woman in the air force wasn't easy either well that was well before she went into the air force hmm. but, oh was it okay yeah i mean i'm talking when we still lived in the oh i see i see uh, um before they got divorced so um anyway i just wanted to say my mom now <laughs> is not a raging erupting maniac or anything she's uh she's actually she's very calm she's very she's, chill she's very chill she's very exciting. i have a hard time imagining her because I've only known her in a relatively chill state of mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I think things happen in our lives for, for reasons like that, and that is to show both the way not to handle your anger, and now she's shown me a better way to handle anger. So, um, that is all good. Okay. Is that, yeah, I feel better about that. I don't want anybody to go around thinking that my mom's a, uh, erupting maniac. All right. Okay. She's a very nice lady. She is a very nice lady. Uh, And I love her. Yeah. And I think she did a good job. She's a little hippy-dippy new age. You know, not quite crystal rocks. (laughs) Your mom's a bit hippy-dippy. So is my mom. That's certainly true. Yes. I don't know what that is. That's some kind of reflection on both of us that we both come from the same, um, yeah, uh, new age religion type moms. Yeah. And largely agnostic or atheist dads. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yep. Yeah. An interesting balance. And yeah, so we both came from completely religion-free households, both households where I don't think either of our fathers ever had any interest in it. And our certainly my mom never showed any interest when we were growing up. And only after I moved out did she get into it heavy. I don't know if the same thing was true for you. Yeah, mom was raised in a hardcore Christian you know, household as a, as a child, and she had decided that she did not want that for us. She wanted us to become adults, and then we could study the religions and decide for ourselves if, if, if one of them rang true. So she just didn't want our minds polluted or mm-hmm. um, influenced or whatever yeah, yeah. by that at all. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. And Dad just doesn't believe at all, so mm-hmm. he was happy to go with that and not have to do all the church stuff. <laughs> yes. Yay, no church stuff. Yeah. All right, so that's it. Closing thoughts. Jen's mom is great. Yep, your mom's great. Yep, everything is great. Yeah. Okay, folks, that was it for overtime. Once again, <laughs> talk to you later. Have a nice day. So long. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>